Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 27th, 2020, including the new Xbox UX is rolling out beginning this week, Microsoft defends Epic Games in their legal battle against Apple, the initiative is hiring up more industry veterans, and more. podcast is so weird because there's always like there's always this weird thing when wednesday night comes around where where it's like the one point of the week where xbox is like the last thing on my mind you know like throughout the week i'll i'll play xbox or a new story will break and i'll be like oh i'll be sure to talk about that on the show or i'll just have a thought about something or just you know i'll be in the mood for something xbox related whether i'm thinking about something excited being excited about something consuming news on or playing a game or something like that pertaining to xbox but like clockwork, Wednesday rolls around the day that I have to work all day and then come home and, and record the podcast, edit the podcast, get it ready for Thursday morning. And like clockwork, every Wednesday, I'm just in like the least Xbox related mood possible. Like, I don't know. I, I spent a decent amount of time this past week just, you know, between work and theme parks, just being so detached from video games that I'm having one of those weeks where I'm like, okay. I'm uh, not in the in the right headspace, but you know what? Hitting the record button and uh, and starting the conversation always kind of gets me back in the mood. Plus, all your uh, all your thoughtful comments uh, are also a, ni- a nice thing that helps welcome me and warm me back up to the uh, the Xbox state of mind. So that's I mean that's why we do the show. It's it's a nice way to keep this thing we love kind of in our in in the forefront of our brains every every day every week. Uh, because I guess keeping something as trivial as video games at the very front of your mind is more important than the many other pressing matters that are facing the world today. But anyway, with that said, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm glad you could be here. I'm glad you're listening. If you are listening, if you're not listening, then you don't know that I'm that I'm not glad that you're not listening because you're not listening. So little reminder, just uh, last week when the podcast went up, Battletoads uh, came out. So Battletoads is now available. It's on Game Pass. You can buy it if you hate your wallet and, and don't want to just download it from Game Pass. Um, but yeah, it's out. And uh, I got to be honest, I, I actually dig it quite a bit. I think it's a pretty cool game. Now, granted, I only played the first couple missions. I've, I've only played like maybe the four, first four four levels of the game. Yeah, I enjoy it quite a bit. I, I appreciate that there are different difficulty modes you can put the game to because if Battletoads, if this new Battletoads game was as difficult as the original Battletoads, as the original Battletoads was on NES, or if it was as difficult as, like, say, Cuphead, then I would just in, in immediately just be like, oh, well, fuck this game, it's just not for me. But Battletoads, uh, they, they had the respect at Delala Studios and at Rare to, to say, hey, we're going to give the player the choice to uh, play this game on bitch mode so that, you know, if they're a... Uh, 25 year old deadbeat with a with a with a day job and they don't have the patience to play Battletoads until they become a master at it then uh, we'll, we'll give them an opportunity to see what the game has to offer without having to become an expert so that's how I'm enjoying it I'm actually playing on the medium difficulty and I'm actually finding it to be a little bit challenging but you have that kind of endless respawn so it's uh it's it's not it's not too grueling um but yeah it's it's really fun I, I think the gameplay is interesting I think the art style is really charming and fun and I think the game's really funny. There's there's some like actual like genuinely laugh out loud moments. 
especially earlier in the game. What I, for what I've experienced is only the early part of the game, but just uh, some some specific cutscenes early in the game where they're just some really laugh out loud moments. So I really appreciate the game. I like how self aware it is. I like well, more important than that, I like how aware the game is that no one ever thought about Battletoads or was asking for a sequel to Battletoads, yet we got it anyway. And I love how like you know they keep that in mind with the joke telling in this game and it's 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 fun it's a fun beat up brawler the pod racing get levels or whatever you call them uh are a nice change of pace and i just i don't know i enjoy that the game has like actual cutscenes and storytelling to it as well so definitely check that out if you are like me and you just feel some weird obligation to play every first party game but battletoads is now out again fairly decent reviews uh I don't know what you'd really expect from a game like this, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with everyone's reaction to the game, or rather pleased to see that people are enjoying it. And with that, speaking of Battletoads, we, we get a comment here from Mr. OG Man Man who says, What's up, Jesse? Another good episode. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on the new Battletoads if you've gotten a chance to play it on Game Pass. I finished my playthrough last night with my six-year-old, and I gotta say I really enjoyed it. It took us about three hours, but it held his usual short attention span throughout the entire game. I also really enjoyed the story and voice acting, and the overall mechanics, though, not too deep, were very well done. I'm not usually into this genre, but I must say that it was a surprise to me how much I enjoyed it. Keep up the good work. Uh, OG Man, appreciate you commenting in. I already kind of told you my thoughts, so that's already been answered. But yeah, I actually agree with you. It's, the the mechanics aren't, like, you know, too mind-blowing. It's, it's pretty pretty general stuff as far as like these beat-em-up brawlers go but I'm kind of with you there it's like this is usually not my type of genre either and I also relate to your son here who seems to have a short attention span because that's normally how it is especially with games like this for me where I, I can't I can't play more than you know like I, I downloaded bad dudes on my Nintendo switch a few months ago and I was like hell yeah bad dudes this is one of those like like so authentically classic NES like stupid beat em up like Hollywood games and I, I was excited to play it and then after like a couple of maybe 45 minutes of playing the game I was like okay that's enough that's enough playing bad dudes for like maybe another 20 years but uh this game not so much and I think I think it really is about that that funny writing and the cutscenes and the in the charm and the the breaking up of the varied gameplay um which is what you know keeps the game going throughout its it's 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 three hour playtime or whatever it, it was that it took you to beat the game so I I, uh, I appreciate that game. I think it does. I think Battletoads does a good job of of making this genre more approachable to people who either have never played a game like this before, or who just generally aren't into these kind of like arcade beat 'em ups. Uh, so, yeah. That, one last time, check out Battletoads. You know, don't don't be a don't be a toad. Before we get into our main segment of questions and comments and everything for this week, my brother did want me to make sure, he, he reached out to me earlier today, he wanted to make sure that I didn't have any plans to cover on the show um, the many, many rumors that have been going around surrounding Halo Infinite that the game's potentially being delayed to 2022, and that the Xbox One version of the game is being cancelled just because the game it's not performing well on, on the Xbox One all that, and he said, you know, he was saying, oh, obviously it's bullshit and all this stuff, and... And like, don't don't give you know don't give airtime and attention to this bullshit story and all these stupid rumors. And and three four three came out the other day and even confirmed that all that was like fake fake rumors and bullshit and stuff. And that you know none of that was was uh, real or anything that was seriously being considered over at three four three or Xbox. So I, I just want to say, I mean, of course I fucking know that. Of course I know all those rumors were bullshit. We're not going to cover that. We all know Halo <laughs> cannot get delayed till 2022 because secretly, and, and and this is the inside scoop, everyone, so so lean in close, 
I have it on good authority that the game is actually being delayed until 2023. That's right. This game isn't even going to come to the Xbox One. It's not going to come to the One X. And you think it's coming to the Series X? Fuck it. No, it's not even coming to the Series X. In fact, Microsoft has plans to delay the Series S until 2022. And then in 2022, that will replace the Series X because they're anticipating there to be a strong trend towards dated hardware by 2022. So kids are going to be selling their powerful Series Xs in favor of the less powerful Series S. And then that's when they're going to drop the bombshell re-announcement of Halo Infinite, it will look significantly worse than it already does, which Microsoft seems to be leaning heavily into because they said, wow, if the game looked, you know, moderately good, but still got shit on and all these memes made about it over, you know, this one, this one brute with a, with a bad art style, then imagine what we can do if we make the game genuinely look like shit. So the game absolutely looks awful. It looks like uh, a love child between like a PlayStation 2 game and a fucking LeapFrog game. Uh, shout out to LeapFrog. Uh, but yeah, the game's going to look like ass. It's coming out in 2023. Xbox Series S exclusive, and I'm pretty sure it will not be crossplay. So fuck all y'all uh, who are on PC looking to play with your uncles. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod to my nephew who doesn't play Xbox with me. So yeah, that's 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 the uh, the big info dump on Halo Infinite. You heard it here first, folks. Just remember to credit me, uh, IGN. Windows Central, GameSpot, all you big outlets that cover Xbox. I know you're out there. Just be sure to credit me because I am the one breaking this news. You're welcome and fuck you. And then with that said, with that all out of the way, I'd like to get one correction made on the show. Two corrections made, but one of them will be addressed in a comment. So we'll just do this one now. They're both kind of closely related. And this is an important correction because we cannot go around spreading misinformation about Japanese food because I love Japanese food. Now, I, I said last week, some in regards to Chinese food, you know, Chinese food's one of those those rare things where it's like the Americanized version of Chinese food is not even really close to what real Chinese food is, but there's an Americanized version and it's delicious. But with most Asian food, I was saying there is, with most Asian cuisine types, there isn't really a good like Americanized gringo alternative that's that's worth a damn, which is why I was saying like, if you're going to make any kind of like Korean food or Thai food or Vietnamese food, you have to actually go to like an Asian supermarket to buy the proper ingredients and find legitimate recipes. You can't just go to your local Walmart and buy like the uh, Maruchan instant pad Thai or whatever the fuck it is you're trying to make. So I was wrong. I, I totally forgot until after I hit record that Japanese cuisine totally has an American a- analog. We forgot all about the shitty sushi and the hibachi. Of course, you know, you got those yum yum rolls with the mayonnaise and the fried crabs and the shrimps and, and all of the uh, bang bang sauces and whatever the hell it is that that uh, California's been doing to J- Japan's uh, cuisine. And then you got hibachi, of course. You got that Benihana shit where we're, we're throwing onion rings on, on flames and, and having young children uh, close to hot grills burning at over 1,000 degrees. That's that's not Japanese food. That's just that's just crazy American fried rice. But, um, yeah, I, I got to make that, distinguish, that, 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 that distinction that Japanese food does have a, a gringo, whitewashed, Americanized alternative. Uh, that is delicious in its own right, and I, I just had to get that off my chest. So thank you for bearing with me. I, I forgot to mention. Just let, let's be honest. You know, you're not going to no fucking Benihana or some local sushi place that just has, you know, fried eel rolls drowned in in yum yum sauce and eel sauce and jalapenos and fucking sriracha and calling that Japanese food. That's just uh, it's delicious, but it's sure as hell isn't Japanese food. And, and now, 
with that said, we'll we'll jump into our proper comment section. Buckle up, guys. If you're if you're one who who leans heavier into like the news segment and doesn't like the comments so much, I'm gonna recommend you fast forward basically to like the last five minutes of this week's show because it looks like we we got a lot of comments in. And I never thought this show would get here, but we're actually getting to the point where I'm gonna have to start like where I'm gonna have to start picking and choosing whose comments get read on the air, which I really hate. I I kind of hoped that this would never be the case because I feel like a total dick having to arbitrarily sift through these comments and be like, okay, well, so-and-so comments a lot, so we'll leave them out this week, or, oh, this person hasn't commented ever or not in a long time, so we'll put them on, or this question is, in my opinion, better than this question, so we'll use this one. So I, I hate the idea of having to do this, but the comment section can only go on for so long. If Surugi were here now, he's been MIA for a few weeks, but if Surugi were still alive and listening to the show, he uh, he might have something to say about this as he is the moderator of the comment section, but since he is presumably dead, I will have to make the best. So if you don't hear your comment right on the air this week, I'm sorry. I had to cut some, but it's still going to be like the longest comment section ever in the history of the show. Try to not stall or, or stay on any one comment for too long. With that said, Eric Matheson is our first commenter of the week. New commenter says, I listen to your podcast on my drive home from work for a couple months now. Just thought you'd like to know that you were talking about the Yakuza series, and it made me decide to try out Yakuza Kiwami 2 on Game Pass, and I got hooked on it. I stopped noticing that it wasn't in English after the first level or two. Are there any other hidden gems on Game Pass you would suggest? I won't give you my SIN number. I guess that's... I guess that's Canadian for social security. I, I won't give you my SIN number for, for it, but I promise I'm not your girlfriend or your mom. Greetings from Nova Scotia. So welcome, Eric. Glad to have you here. And uh, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you writing in, although uh, I do I do need your personal identification number. And that's uh, just, uh, I, I won't ask again nicely. So, you know, so get that written in soon. Wink, wink. Yeah, first of all, I really appreciate that you checked out Yakuza on my recommendation or, or presumably on my recommendation. And I'm even more stoked to see that you're enjoying the game or that you're enjoying the series. I hope you'll go back and play Yakuza 0. I know that technically like that game came out later, but it takes place before the first Yakuza. And maybe it's just because that was my first one in the series I played. But man, that game... You know, I've only played the first two so far. I'm about to. I'm going to start Kiwami two pretty shortly. Here, I'm just trying to get some other things out of the way first. But man, that Yakuza Zero, that one, that one was especially like just amazing. I, I really loved that game. I loved the setup for. Uh, God, I forget their names. When I'm not playing the games, I kind of forget their names, except Kiru, who's of course our main protagonist. But I really, I really love their kind of origin stories and and how like deeply fleshed out they are in that first game. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad to see you're playing the games and enjoying them. And I totally agree. It really is one of those things. Same, same thing with anime. Whenever you're enjoying a good, not not just Japanese, but whenever you're enjoying a good, you know, foreign movie, foreign video game, foreign whatever the fuck it is, except foreign novel, because you probably can't read, understand what you're reading if it's in a different language that you don't speak. But whenever you're like, you know, reading like English subtitles on a foreign movie or something like that, or playing a, a foreign video game, a Japanese game with, with English subtitles, as long as it's good, you really do forget your reading. That's 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 so very true. Like I've been watching, uh, admittedly, I've been watching more anime than usual lately, and I've been I've been dealing with a lot of that too. It's like you, you get into like 15, 20 minutes of it, and if it's good shit, you stop realizing you're reading. It's just literally the same. Your brain doesn't register it any differently from if you were just watching it in English or playing the game in English or whatever language you speak. And I got to assume that's how most of the world world feels. I actually like, I'm actually, I try to be mindful of that sometimes, you know, it's like being from the U S it's like, I live in such a, you know, we're, we're such a big exporter of culture of like music and movies and video games and, and just media. But 
and even though that gets exported around the world, it's like you got to keep in mind that not a lot of the world is speaking English. I know it's one of the most commonly spoken languages, but it's it's not the most common language. And when you take into consideration just how many people exist on this planet and how many languages exist on this planet, it's kind of amazing to think that, you know, like so many fucking songs, books, movies, all this shit just comes out. And it's like, yeah, it was written by this American author or at the very least this, this English speaking author. And now it's like, well, fuck you, everyone else. You just got to you got to either hope that they 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 dub it in your language or or, you know, suck it up and, and read the subtitles, right? So I try to be mindful of that, that, like, the default, if you're an English speaker, the default is that you're pretty much always going to be able to access something in English. But that's, you know, there's a, imagine, like, if you speak Arabic, then that's, like, the one and only language you know. It's like, well, fuck you if there's not, like, a dubbed version of everything. You just got to play every video game, watch every movie or whatever with subtitles. And I, I know, like, the bigger budget movies and games and stuff usually have you know, voice casts in many languages for, for different markets, but that's, that's not always the case for everyone. So, but anyway, um, as for other game pass games, I would suggest hidden, hidden gems on game pass. That's a good question. I, had, I wish I had thought about that or read this question and thought about it before I hit record. Cause I'm sure I could come up with a more thoughtful answer, but since I didn't do that, I would say, I don't know, maybe, uh, I know Darksiders Genesis is a recently released game from earlier this year that is now on Game Pass that I haven't played yet, but I'm really looking forward to getting into. So that's one that that seems interesting. It's like a dungeon crawler Diablo-like game. Uh, Another game that, I mean, if you're an Xbox fan, you probably know of this game, but I mean, statistically, not many people play it because the game just didn't do that well. But Quantum Break is one of the best games of this generation. It is on Game Pass. If you have not played Quantum Break, You've got to you've got to just do it. You just got to dedicate the 13 hours or whatever it takes to get through that game. The whole like system of like play a level, watch an episode of that like hybrid video game TV show thing they do sounds like such an awful idea for a video game, but somehow works so well. Uh, Remedy just did such a fantastic job with that game. If you haven't played Remedy's Quantum Break, it is such a cool story. It's such an interesting game. It's about time travel, but not in like a trite and over overdone way. It's in a very like or at least in the context of the game, it feels very grounded and believable. It's a little sad. It's really cool. It's really fun. It's suspenseful. And the gunplay and just gameplay and mechanics of the game feel fantastic. It's a really great game, and I highly, highly recommend that. Uh, maybe maybe I'll come up with a more thoughtful answer for next week. But just off the top of my head, that, that comes to mind. Now, EA's King117, I know you commented in the other day and told me how I was supposed to pronounce that. But fuck me, I don't remember. You say, proof that I'm not a spam account, I am Japanese. So, well, while I'm very happy to learn that you're not a spam account, and I'm while I'm really grateful that we have, you know, a Japanese listener, that's really fucking awesome. I, I want to have as many people from all walks of life and all corners of the world enjoying this show and, and, and sharing our, our, our sh- or enjoying the shared love of Xbox together. I would like to say that that doesn't reassure me. You being, you saying that you're not a spam account and you telling me that you're Japanese doesn't validate or or put my my uh put my concerns to rest any more than if you if you said i'm uh i'm i am the ceo of microsoft mr microsoft himself no i need your social security number i'm not gonna ask again but thank you for commenting in i'm, I'm glad i'm glad you i'm glad at least you convinced yourself you're real now we have a handful of food related comments as we tend to do on this show and i just want to kind of lump them all together and just uh we'll just kind of get through these together so Let's uh, let's start with Mr. Viking of the North, who says, Sup, man. Your podcast is a great listen while I work. Also, I have to say burritos over tacos for me with carne asada meat. Good choice there. By the way, I'm from Sweden. Have you tried anything from there? 
or has Disney uh, or does Disney have a booth uh, with anything to offer? If so, I recommend you try Ragmunk or Lingonries. Oh, fuck me. Ragmund is a Swedish potato pancake that is fried in butter and is usually served with fried pork. So I feel like I've had that before or something similar to it, but the the more honest answer is no. I have not like not to a, a point in which I specifically and distinctly know that I've had Swedish food and I've had that. No, I, I will say this. You are Swedish. You should be familiar with Ikea. I know Ikea is from Sweden. I know if you're Swedish, you've probably been in Ikea or at least are familiar with the name. That would be like being from the U.S. and not knowing what McDonald's is. I assume you guys have Ikeas on every corner like we do Starbucks. So I've been to Ikea. I have eaten the Swedish meatballs. I've eaten in the Ikea food court many times before. I've tried a variety of items. They have a salmon dish I've tried. I've I've tried a chicken thing. I've tried a couple desserts there. So if any of that counts for Swedish food, then yes, I've had Swedish food before because I've eaten at Ikea on uh, more occasions than, than honestly anyone not in the market for for furniture should should have had, but you know I don't know if Disney's ever had uh, specifically a, a Swedish booth during any of their food festivals. Now they do have a Norwegian like one of the permanent pavilions, one of the permanent countries that's represented at Epcot at Disney World is Norway. And while I don't mean to be that guy and just kind of lump you all together, you know there is at least that kind of you know that kind of a. Uh, Part of part of Europe, all just you know, somewhat represented. So, if you can find it in your heart to be friends with, uh, or to be open and friendly enough with your Norwegian uh, neighbors, then I, I will say I've had some Norwegian food uh, over at Epcot, and and I've I've, en- I've enjoyed some nice treats over there. Now, I, I don't know. Let's uh, fuck it. Let's we won't we won't spend as much time on this as we did last week. But let's just real quick. I got my Bing up. Popular Swedish dishes. Yeah, this looks like Ikea food. Yeah, we got the shaved salmon and the fennel and the Swedish meatballs. I'm pretty sure I'm just looking at pictures of Ikea food. Ragmunk. Basically a potato pancake with fried butter. Yeah, this is what you said. I believe you. Oh, lingonberries. I have had lingonberries. In fact, Ikea even makes like a juice out of them. Yes, I've had those. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like cranberry. Cranberry sauce kind of. Yes, I've had this. I've had I've had all this shit before. I've eaten... Your ragmunk and your lingonberries and all that, whatever shit, I'm totally butchering and I'm sorry, I'm a disgrace. You feel free to never allow me into your country ever. But yes, I've, I've had, I've tried these things based on these photos. Uh, good shit, good shit indeed. And I see, uh, I see this. What is this? Graved lax salmon. Yeah, I mean, I've tried that like on a like on a lox bagel, uh, like a New York bagel with lox. I don't know. Some of this stuff, yes. I've, I've had, to answer your question in the most vague sense possible, yes, I've had some Swedish shit, not in a uh, not in a very over-and-defined way, like, oh, yeah, I'm eating Swedish food, you know, but uh, it looks like it looks like I'm familiar with some of your food, yes. Now, what I what I like for the, this is, a, this is a thing I have, is like, you know, kids here in America, especially the younger generations, they like to think it's so cool to be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a foodie, I'm an adventurous eater, I'll eat anything, but really, like, when you think about it, it's like, in the U.S., or anywhere in the world, your options really are kind of limited. It's like, yeah, you know, you talk about like, you know, if you live in the U.S., you talk about like Mexican food or Chinese takeout or Japanese food or or like, you know, I live here in Central Florida where there's a lot of like Puerto Rican food and Cuban food and, and things like that. And that's great. And there is a lot of diversity in culinary in this country in general and in most of the world these days. You know, we're, we live in a very globalized world. But that's that's a great point. It's like, 
sure, I can I can go out of my house and find an Italian restaurant if I really want to have Italian food. But there are some countries where it's like they kind of got their cuisine on lockdown, right? Like I don't know of any like well-known local Swedish restaurants, like mom and pop sh- Swedish spots in, in Florida here. And I don't know of any like, you know, like Carabas or like Olive Garden isn't like authentically Italian, but it's like a known chain Italian restaurant that anyone could get their hands on if they wanted to. I've never heard of like, you know, like the, the streamlined corporate restaurant chain equivalent of like a Swedish, you know, restaurant. I mean, unless you count Ikea as that, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying? I guess, I I guess Swedish food kind of falls under that umbrella of like, it's not impossible to get your hands on, but it seems like if you live in this part of the world, it's not like you can just Google or check Yelp for your, your most local Swedish restaurant. So I'm getting really hung up on this, but I appreciate you writing in Viking of the North. Now, Sammy Basile writes in and says, hello from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. That's awesome. We have a Haitian listener. This is a, I, I'm, I'm loving seeing like all the places on the map that we're finding listeners from. This is great. This is my second episode. I listened to you on Google Podcasts, and I'm loving your vibe. Funny, sarcastic, and actually informative. I don't know about that last part. First of all, that outro music is straight fire. Second, have you tried Haitian food, and do you have a favorite? Finally, what game are you actually looking forward to this next generation? Doesn't have to be a launch game. Keep up the good work. So first of all, let's kind of do this real quick. I know you don't straight up ask, but thank you. That outro music is is written, composed, put together, however you want to put it, by my friend Eric Hudson, uh, whose like kind of SoundCloud internet name is BB Murder Case. Now he's been promising me forever that he's gonna give me some new tracks to to start using on the podcast, but I don't know what the fuck he's doing. I don't know if he's a uh, he, he acts like we're in some pandemic and he's like locked in his house um, and that there's bigger things going on in the world right now. But I don't know what's happening with that. But uh, Eric Hudson is his name. BB Murder Case, if you want to look him up on SoundCloud or YouTube and listen to some of his other tracks that I don't have on the podcast. Uh, but also, I give you his name so you can go look him up and uh, scold him for not for not sending me new tracks as he promised. Now, aside from that, Haitian food, here we go. I'm... I'm I've already spent enough time getting to circles about about you know trying different food. Now, here in here in Florida, you know we have a a big a big Haitian population relative to you know a lot of other parts of, of the country in particular, uh, just just due to our proximity to you guys. So yes, I, so I know Haitian food has a lot of like Creole influence and Caribbean influence, and there's a lot a lot of like soul influence to it. I've had a lot of things that would like show up in Haitian food. And I used to actually my the company I work for the first location I worked in was this hotel and the hotel like a lot of the hotel staff a lot of the kitchen staff was like predominantly Haitian so they would cook a lot of like Haitian food like they would they'd have like buffets and things like that and they would cook for the staff a lot and they would always invite us to come back and eat and so I I used to eat like without like anyone there to explain like hey this is what this is but they'd like make a lot of like Haitian food and be like hey just come back here and eat. We have food. It's you're welcome to it. So that was awesome. And I, I'm not particularly like familiar with what I was, you know, what the names of dishes were, but lots of, lots of things with like beans and and different meats and things like that. And very good stuff, lots of rice. So I, in that sense, yes. And then I love Caribbean food a lot and I love Creole food a lot. So it just by proximity of eating a lot of that kind of stuff, I guess to some extent I'm familiar with some Haitian flavors, but similar to what we were saying about Sweden, I wish, I wish there was more of like a, Oh, what's that popular Haitian chain restaurant that everyone goes to? It's like, I don't have that. You know, they don't have something like that 
readily accessible for us us gringos who want to venture out uh, outside of the realm of you know cheeseburgers and pizza. But uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like with with Haitian cuisine, I have less of an excuse because again, I live in Central Florida. We have a bigger Haitian population. I'm sure if I really went out of my way, I could find a good local restaurant. So I don't know. I'm I'm familiar with some 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 Caribbean flavors. I'm definitely familiar with uh, Jamaican food. We used to have a really nice Jamaican restaurant uh, next to my old my parents' house back home in Georgia, and I used to go there. And then they closed down like a year before I moved here to Florida. So that was sad, but I, I once ate there and it was very good. So I appreciate you writing in. And then you say, oh, you also say, uh, uh, what game am I looking forward to? This next generation doesn't have to be a launch game. See, this is probably now that Halo is out of the, um, now that Halo is kind of out of the launch window, I guess I would say probably uh, cop out would be like Yakuza, like a dragon, but let's be honest. I have a lot of other Yakuza games to, to get to before I'm really ready for that one. I'm pro- probably the game I'm most excited for this year is honestly a cyberpunk. And I know that's not an Xbox Series X game. I know it's getting the Series X update later. But in all honesty, that's that's the 2020 game I'm most looking forward to. So my answer is cyberpunk as as uncreative as that might sound. Um, but I don't know. To, to be honest, like my excitement for the Xbox Series X is is less about like all the games coming out this fall, which should be your excitement if you're buying a new console. But it's more just about like... I don't, Honestly, I just want to finally have a 4K console and, and, and play games with uh, with 120 hertz refresh rate and things like that. So that's really more what I'm looking forward to. I'm I honestly I'm the kind of person like if uh, if there was just like a like a federal mandate that like no more video games were allowed to come out for the next year or three of our lives, then I'd be totally happy with that because there's just so many good games out there that I they're sitting in my backlog that I just haven't gotten a chance to get around to and. I'm totally content with just like working, chipping away at my backlog and playing Halo Five all the time. So it's it's really hard for me to be like, oh, this is the this is the game I'm shitting my pants to play. But if I had to give you an answer, I'd probably say Cyberpunk. That's uh, I'm really looking forward to Cyberpunk. I think that game looks really good, which is weird because that's not normally my type of genre. I'm not usually a big like uh, Obsidian. Uh, or or Bethesda open world fan, or at least I'm not the kind of person who's like eagerly wait, awaiting those games. So Cyberpunk is definitely the answer, though. And then uh, Chunky Brother, we'll have to move a little faster. Chunky Brother comes in and says, yes, people in Australia do eat kangaroo, lol. While I don't personally eat it, a lot of people enjoy hunting them and eating them. Also, uh, lamingtons aren't made up. They are light, fluffy cake squares covered in thin layers of chocolate icing, then lightly dusted with coconut. Uh, definitely a favorite. Those actually sound fantastic. Also, my favorite pizza would be the Aussie. Uh, not sure if they're available anywhere else in the world, but I definitely recommend keep up the good work. Now, the Aussie is something I came across when I was, uh, when I was looking up Australian food. So it's interesting that you say that. So I have a pizza, uh, or sorry, I have a picture of an Aussie pizza right here. We're going to, we're going to look at it. Let's, let's treat this like a new game release. I'm not going to look at the actual ingredients on it. I'm just going to kind of guess based on what I'm seeing, what this is all about. Now I'm, I'm seeing fried egg on a pizza and I gotta, I gotta be honest as, as someone who, uh, is, is, is a descendant of the Italians and who is a proud American, you know, the two nations most responsible for the, the pizza. I, I must say, Props to Australia for having the uh, balls to be like, hey, you know what pizza really needs? A fucking fried egg on top. That sounds phenomenal. And then it looks like you have some kind of ham or bacon or Canadian thing, Canadian ham or some something on here. Some kind of herbs, maybe a, a multi-blend of cheese. 
a blend of three cheeses on here or something. I don't know what I'm looking at. It looks good though. It looks very good. I would I would try the Aussie. I'm getting some conflicting reports though. It looks like some pictures of this pizza just look like a margarita pizza. I doubt that's what the Aussie is. But yeah, this pizza looks damn good. I, I, I get you there. Now, as for your people eating the kangaroo, I don't know that I could ever condone that. And so when I think about things like how, you know, unfortunately our friends over in Australia have to pay more for video games and, you know, things are just more expensive over there. And and um, I know video games are often subject to some more strict censoring and things like that uh, in Australia. You know, normally those things make me a little sad because I, I want for games to be more accessible uh, for, for all of us, you know, all of us gamers and, and th those kinds of things, you know, they, they, they hurt my heart a little bit. But then I hear things like, yeah, we eat kangaroo in this in this country. Now, I know you say you don't, but you realize you're a bystander in this, right? If you live in a country where you're surrounded by people who hunt and eat kangaroo, okay? You are uh, you're part of the problem, chunky brother, and I, I think you need to I don't know. I don't know if maybe this needs to be a grassroots effort or something, but you need to be part of the revolution and to help stop your people from the senseless murder of these marsupials and do the right thing. Stop 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 killing these uh I just don't even know what to say. I'm like, I'm, I'm awestruck that I've made it through 25 miserable years of existence and uh, no one ever told me that the Australians eat kangaroo. So that's, that's fucking terrifying. You know what? If I'm being really honest though, I guess I'm going to put kangaroo up there with horse. I know, I know some people eat horse, but I, I, I don't know where to go and order a horse and I've never eaten a horse and I never will. But I know like horse liver is a thing, but like I'm, I'm putting kangaroo up there with horses. It's like, sure, some people eat it, but you're 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 going to hell if you eat a kangaroo. Let's be honest. Jay responds to you, Chunky Brother. He says, agree with pretty much all of this. I don't eat kangaroo, but some people do. And it's also used for dog food. Now, that makes sense. Dogs love eating crazy shit. So feeding a dog a kangaroo is kind of funny, but a person eating a kangaroo is a little fucked up. But I, I, I get that. If you scroll down a little further, well, would you look at it? Surugi pops in. He says, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm reading this out of context because there's like four comments above I'm ignoring, but he says, if I'm not mistaken, aren't we like the only country in the world that eats the animals on our coat of arms? Also, shout out to Oz my Aussie brothers repping OLD here. So I, I love this, first of all. I just, for first of all, this is a weird, like, just little thing about Xbox that I love. I love, like, what a big, like, Australian representation the Xbox brand pulls. I just think it's so cool for some reason. That's just part of my, like, that uh, that American exoticism where, like, we're just such a big, isolated country. I guess you guys are kind of a big, isolated country, too. But it's it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm not, like, European where I could just drive four hours and be in, be in another country, you know. So, to me, it's like every country is just, like, super cool and, and, and interesting. So, it's like, I, I don't know. I think it's weird that I turn on a mic and, and bitch about how Halo 5 is underappreciated. And then all these Australian people start meeting each other in the comment sections and informing me that uh, there are heathens out there that are murdering innocent kangaroos and, and feeding them to their dogs. And my God, maybe, no no offense, but maybe those, uh, maybe those wildfires are uh, God's way of saying he hates you all for, for these beautiful creatures he gives you that you then in turn slaughter and consume. So, but then again, we get really bad hurricanes over here, so maybe God's just trying to kill us all. Now, my mom comes in with a comment, and I think this is a joke, but she says, Outback Steakhouse is Australian. I, I'm pretty sure that's a joke, but it's it's I'm going to leave it in there anyway, because no matter how it's meant to be interpreted, it's pretty damn funny. 
And then Lethal Migraine responds to my mom, which is weird, and says, "This place, <laughs> that place is delicious. I wish I knew how they prepared their steaks. I want to replicate them. Lethal Migraine, I, I know how they replicate their steaks. It's with lots and lots of butter. So no no offense to Outback Steakhouse. You know I am, I am, a, I am a friend of the corporate chain shitty restaurant. I love the TGI Fridays, the Chili's. Uh, the Outback Steakhouse is definitely in that echelon. I'm a big fan of the Bahama Breeze, but let's uh, let's not sugarcoat it. Those restaurants are mostly just salt and butter. That's how they make everything taste so good. But yes, an Outback Steakhouse steak when cooked properly, which is not usually that all that common because they always try to overcook them, uh, are pretty delicious. Me- medium rare people, medium rare or don't eat it at all. Uh, Lethal Migraine also says in an unrelated comment, he says, "I've eaten camel." I've, I've eaten camel meat from Australia prepared here by a Somali. Does that count for eating Aussie? By the way, camel is incredible. Tastes like lean roast beef. Now, I would eat camel because they have those massive cancerous humps on their back, and I think that must be an excruciating way to live. Also, they're just constantly thirsty, dehydrated, and exhausted. So I think eating camel is different for me in kangaroo because you're putting a camel out of its misery. Like, the life of a camel is intended to be miserable, so you're doing that thing a favor by killing it and eating it. So I defend that. It's it's the it's it's the kangaroos are so cute. The babies jump in their mama's pouches. That's that's adorable. That's you know eating that is indefensible. But the camel the, the camel can go fuck itself. They're they're uh, they were they were put on this earth to be miserable. So we are kind of by way of killing and eating the camel, we are kind of the heroes at the end of the day. So I'm glad you think camel is incredible. I uh, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to try it, but I w- I would try it. He said, it tastes like lean roast beef. I feel like everything just tastes like some form of lean beef or or chicken. You know, it's like, you ever had veal? Tastes like beef. Or like like a really fatty, lean, rich beef, although veal is is, is beef. It's just young cow. You, you ever tried gator? Tastes like chicken, of course. Every Everything tastes like some form of, of, uh, of, um, of a cow or chicken, which is why, which is what makes the pig such an interesting animal. What tastes like... What else tastes like pork that isn't pork, you know? Think about that. Chew chew on that, Xbots. Yeah, Jay, Jay backs up Lethal Migraine, says it's a pretty Australian thing to eat. And, and EA's King117 says that there's a shop near his house that sells camel heads. EA's King, where do, where do you live, if you don't mind me asking? Like, what, what country do you live in? I'm, I'm interested. I know you said you're Japanese. That doesn't mean you live in Japan. I'm, I'm just interested where you live. Feel free to comment with that answer, along with your social security number, your credit card number, uh, and uh, an Xbox gift card of $100 or more. Speaking of EA's King117, you say here, Okay, I listened to epi- this episode about 10 times, and I will correct you about one thing. Gyoza are not pot stickers; They are dumplings. This is a very... And you also say that you tried cheesecake for the first time today. How was the cheesecake? Is it good? Cheesecake's good. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. But you say, Gyoza are not pot stickers; They are dumplings. Correct? Yes, I know. Pot stickers are technically dumplings. I always I always call things pot stickers instead of dumplings because... I've noticed from working in many restaurants that for some reason, Americans can't wrap their head around the concept of a dumpling. They always think a dumpling is like just dim sum, like just Chinese, like dim sum. So I always, I always just call everything a pot sticker so that Americans can wrap their heads around like, oh, it's some form of a dumpling. But yes, you're, you're right. Of course, gyoza is technically a dumpling. I don't really understand what the pot sticker is. I get what a dumpling is. I get what a gyoza is. I don't really understand what a pot sticker is. Sometimes I get confused if it's just a dumpling or if it's like a pierogi or if it's that's a different thing. That's a that that goes back to the pilgrims. They can go figure that out themselves. I'm not really tr- I'm not really concerned about respecting the history and the proper usage of the pot sticker. 
But yes, the gyoza is a very delicious snack. I like them done in the pan so they're nice and crispy. You ever get like that crispy layer on your gyoza? So nice. I love them. Uh, and then our final food comment comes from K3V8AZ. You guys are going to start having to use real names here. But say just wanted to say I very much enjoy your, your weekly musings about all things Xbox. Normally listen on Spotify whilst on the road between jobs. Keep up the good work. Food-wise, ever had Cornish pasty? Guys, you're really uh, uh you're really you're really pushing me here. I now I looked up the Cornish pasty. It looks like some kind of meat pie. I'm starting to get confused. We're starting to get to the territory where like all these foods are overlapping. It's like the, the meat pie. You know, I think you know when we're not talking about eating the camel, we're not talking about eating the fucking I don't know whatever it is. You know the 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 kangaroo. We're starting to get to this point where it's like, do you realize that all cuisine is kind of the same shit? It's like the same mess of, of, of core ingredients just used differently. So, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm going to answer your question in the most sincere fashion, no, I haven't had a Cornish pasty. Would I try one? Certainly. Looks like a meat pie. I'm sure it's some form of a meat pie. But here, here's the thing. It's like, have I had all the ingredients that make up a meat pie or a Cornish pasty? Yeah, I have. Have I had carbs before? I've had bread or pie filling, or beef, or vegetables. Yeah, I've had all these things. So, in a way, you know, unless you're asking about, like, have you eaten camel before? In a way, I've kind of tried all of these foods, right? I've had carrots, and bread, and beef, and chicken, and corn, and rice. So, yeah, I guess I've tried it. I guess I'm just the most adventurous eater ever. And now that's going to do it for our food-related questions. Let's let's jump into some Xbox-related Comments and questions. Count Scout Count Scottula uh, comments and says, "Just heard your podcast for the first time. Been looking for something like this. Really enjoying it. I think Halo Infinite being delayed. Now this is we're gonna get into the Halo delay comments. I think Halo Infinite being delayed might help the Series X sales. Honestly, through the holiday, I think all the consoles will be sold out no matter what due to demand. Parents will be just gobbling up whatever they can get their hands on. This makes the perfect time to introduce Halo Infinite. It gives everyone who missed out on the holiday rush the perfect reason to get a new console. Halo will not be competing with Call of Duty or, or Cyberpunk. It will be the game to play. Everyone says it won't be ready by then. I truly do not believe that Infinite is in such a bad shape or is in as bad a shape that everyone thinks. A March slash April release is a seven to eight month is seven to eight months away from now. That demo was likely from June. That's a significant amount of dev time till spring. From 343's latest post on the quote rumors leaks, it sounds like multiplayer would have been ready to go. I imagine the campaign is already fully playable, just not polished. That is a substantial amount of time for polish and pop-in problems, in my opinion. I won't be shocked if it gets it's delayed to holiday 2021, especially since fans and YouTubers seem to be in endorsing that. I don't think that's the best strategy. Sorry for the long post. Promise I don't talk this much in real life. I appreciate, I know I, I asked for you guys to kind of try and keep them a little shorter, but this is your first comment. Count Scottula, I want to I want to give you a chance to shine. Plus, I think it was a really well articulated and well put comment. So I was more than happy to to read this on the air and give you the spotlight for a minute there. I think you make some great points. And and another thing, you you know, in keeping with your whole like, you might as well just launch in the earlier part of the year. Is remember the Nintendo Switch guys? Remember the Nintendo Switch that everyone was like, oh my god, why are they launching in March? What a bad idea! And then it came out and everyone was like oh my god, I'm going to buy seven of these, and then I'm going to buy 12 copies of Animal Crossing, and I'm going to pretend that Zelda Breath of the Wild is the best Zelda, even though it's objectively, like, one of the most mediocre Zelda games. And everyone just decided it was the greatest thing in the world. It's like, Nintendo proved to everyone when they did that that the console launch doesn't have to be 
a holiday thing like it used to be. Like, we're past that point. You know, enough people have grown up, enough gamers have grown up past, you know, the era, the era of I'm too young to buy a console myself. I need to rely on Christmas to get a game where, you know, it's like gamers are older now. Gamers are more diverse. It, it The gaming industry represents a way larger pool of people now than it did, you know, back in the NES, SNES days, you know. So it's you can release a console in the spring and people will gobble that shit up. You know, it's like people, people will buy that then. You don't have to just, I, I just feel like, in some respect, the games industry is just so stuck in the, like the 1990s with like, oh, everything's marketed towards kids. Kids don't have money, so therefore we need to release it around the holidays because that's when every kid gets a big present. It's like I understand that regardless of who your demographic is, releasing around the holidays is a good idea because then you can, you know, then you can capitalize on this holiday where everyone buys shit. But like, let's let's keep in mind, it's like Apple doesn't say oh, we're not going to release the iPhones in September anymore. We're going to release them in November because they're banking on Christmas sales. And, you know, Samsung releases their phones in, like, February or March. You know, they, that's after Christmas. They don't care. People still buy them. Like, I don't, I, you know, if new cars come out. I feel like cars do their best sales in the beginning of the year. That's when you see all, like, those uh, big deals and when you really start seeing the new year car models really pushes in the earlier part of the year. It's because it's it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like people who are old enough and had disposable income and who are in the market for these things, if, if your product and your and your market is mature enough, you don't have to rely on something that's so predicated on, like, selling to kids as, like, the holiday release. I Like, I get why you want that holiday bump, but it's the success and failure of your box is not entirely dependent on the holiday season. And I think, the, I think Nintendo was really wise to kind of see past that and be the the one daring enough to kind of launch outside that window, which is kind of ironic because Nintendo is arguably the the console manufacturer that's most aimed towards kids, yet they got away with it with you know like with without any hesitation or any issue whatsoever once the thing was out in the open. So I I agree with this. It's like honest. That's why I think like you could delay the Series X to spring and it wouldn't matter. And and I only bring all that up to say like yeah you can. You can release Halo in the spring, and guess what? It's going to be like every spring has been for the past five years. It's going to be fucking crowded full of massive games. Remember, like, the way games work nowadays, it's it's like there's two rushes. There's the fall games and the spring games. It's the summer season that's totally dry and dead, which is why I think it'd be so cool for them to release in the summer, because then they can kind of hog the spotlight. But, yeah, I think you make a great point here. The spring is a great time for anything, whether you want to put your console out then or the game out then or whatever. I, I agree, but ultimately, I don't. I just really don't think the Xbox Series X. You know, I, I'm of two minds of this. I keep saying this in a kind of conflicted sense. I just don't think the Xbox Series X is as dependent on the kind of regular console rollout as as previous Xboxes have been. Again, I think Xbox is more concerned. Microsoft is more concerned with getting people on Game Pass and just getting them to buy a Xbox or PC or whatever, however they want to play it. And they're more concerned with that than like selling the most consoles. So they're not they're not willing to compromise the integrity of the Halo brand to make sure people buy an Xbox over a PS5 this 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 holiday season. You know, I think they're willing to do that slow burn approach. And, and the reality of it is, I'm really just not convinced that Halo Infinite would be enough to make people just flock over to Xbox from PlayStation because it just seems like one of those things where like the gaming community already has their mind made up. You know, they're already on team PlayStation five. The only way the mainstream game community is, is not gonna just instantly or just defaultly skew PlayStation 
is if PS5 just catastrophically bombs, you know, like if they just somehow fuck it up, like the PS5 is bricking and all the games look like fucking like like Superman 64 or some shit like that. That's the only way the PS5 is just not going to win. And I think Microsoft knows that. So they're just they're just sitting back and they're saying, hey, let's let our games marinate. Let's let them cook. Let's just do this right. It's important to get your console out in the market in time of the competition so that you know it's there the option is there you don't lose people but i don't think they absolutely need halo or the xbox series x is doomed because at the end of the day the game is no longer about selling the most consoles as possible to beat playstation it's about you know getting your games and your services in in the most places as possible and whether you're buying a series x or hanging on to your one or playing on your pc playing on your not iPhone. I don't know. The options are there. So I, I, I like I like your point here. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a holiday 2021 game. The only reason why I think it could possibly get that push is because for whatever reason, when games get delayed now, it just seems like they're always such big delays. It feels like it's so rare that things get those like little punt delays of like two months, three months. We see that with like Sony first person first party games and that's about it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm I don't think I'm writing this. I'm just really championing that like early summer release. But yeah, spring sounds reasonable. If it's spring, I really don't think it's not February, March. I think it's I think it's April, May. But I'm uh, I think it'd be cool if they did like a July, August release. July would be ideal, or June, July would be ideal. Anyway, we'll we'll see. I, I again, I, I'm so tired of speculating on this shit. Now, Lethal Migraine says I'm going to strongly disagree disagree with you, and this is in regards to Halo. Halo doesn't matter in terms of console sales. Combat Evolved is the only one that actually does matter because it was what showed. Because Xbox was an actual new product, and people needed a reason to buy it. Series X is a beast, and after the recent Hot Chips presentation, Series X is even better than I originally thought. Take a hit on the Xbox, sell for 400, and that thing will sell like a Switch. Lethal Migraine, I'm going to continue to politely disagree with you on this. I don't think the power of the console is going to make it sell better than the PlayStation 5. I really think, and this is this is a problem with the Xbox community, or not problem. This is a, a blind spot, I feel like, in the Xbox community. Listen, Lethal Migraine, I agree with you. The Series X is more powerful than PlayStation. It just objectively is. If they can sell it at a really competitive price, it will be a big advantage. I agree with that. I also agree that it's just the more exciting console because it, it just it's just changing the gaming industry and gaming landscape more than the PS5 does. I agree with all those. And I'm really excited about the Series X. And as an Xbox fan, I can't wait to jump in. But we just got to be more honest about this. Power is not the thing. And, and there's some kind of hypocrisy inherently in your last sentence here where you says, take a hit on it, sell for 400 and the thing will sell like a Switch. Now, what what's the thing that makes the Xbox so night and day different from the from the what, what's the thing that makes the Switch and the Xbox so night and day different from one another? And it's that Xbox is always chasing power, and Nintendo is always chasing nostalgia and low power and whatever the fuck and affordability. And and the thing is, it's like people aren't crazy about the power. The power matters to the hardcore gamers. It matters to the fanboys. It matters to you know the the in the know. Real big nerds. Think about like phones, you know, the iPhone Max, whatever, and the Samsung Galaxy Note, whatever. Those are always the most powerful phones. It's the Note series of Galaxy phones. It's the Max or the Plus series of iPhones. Those are always the best selling ones or, or the or the most powerful ones. But that's not what people buy. People buy the most affordable ones. People buy the most accessible ones. People buy the ones that are the best value. So I see what you're saying here. You're saying if you make the price absurdly competitive, it will sell like the Switch. But it's like, just remember that it's like 
the price matters a lot more than the power of the box. I'm telling you this. It just it's just objectively true. PlayStation 5 doesn't have to be as powerful as the Series X in order to compete. It's it's going to be significantly underpowered and it's still going to sell significantly better because third-party games are going to be de- are going to be developed and skewed towards the PS5 and yeah, they'll look better on Series X, but for the most part, you're not going to see third-party games look leaps and bounds better and do things that aren't possible on the PS5 on the Series X version. You're just not going to see that happen. You're going to see it be very targeted towards PlayStation 5, and that's what Xbox gamers will mostly be getting. If you want to see the Xbox Series X just excel and go far beyond that, you're going to have to look for first-party games only. And even then, it's like, I'm just telling you, it's like the power is not what matters. It matters to us. It matters to all of us really excited about Xbox. But Microsoft isn't going to kick Sony's ass by having the most powerful console. They're going to kick Sony's ass by being competitive with pricing, which you aptly point out. They're going to compete by having the best lineup of games. That's what matters the most, which they clearly don't have right now. They clearly don't have a really compelling lineup of games to sell people on from day one, which, you know, take that as you will. And then, and then the last thing of course is, um, it's just that kind of cash and name brand where, where, you know, it's one of those things, man, everyone just loves PlayStation. PlayStation is hard to beat because it's so ingrained in, in people's brains. It's just, it has such a cultural significance. It's fucking hard to, to get PlayStation or to get people away from PlayStation. They're just on it for the same reason. iPhone people are on iPhone because, PlayStation's really good at what it does. It's given you no reason to question it or leave it or look around elsewhere. And it continues to deliver on its promise. And so as long as PlayStation continues to deliver, Xbox is going to continue to suffer. Because it's not about Xbox being better or worse or PlayStation being better or worse. It's about the fact that PlayStation was around first. It was good for a very long time. It's always been good with the rare exception of the PlayStation 3. And Xbox is constantly in the shadow of that because... PlayStation has never really given the mass market a reason to say or to to question otherwise. So the thing that's the thing that could lead to the most success on the Series X, if you just want to look at it from a traditional console standpoint, console generation standpoint, is if the PlayStation 5 stumbles and fucks up, then the Series X has the potential to surpass it by doing good while the other one sucks. A la Xbox 360 PS3. But if the PS5 comes out and it's just as good as the last PlayStation, and games look a little better, and it has new games, it has a great library, and the console's relatively affordable, then PlayStation people will continue to blindly buy it without even thinking about the Xbox. Like, think about it like this. Like, look at all the surveys and all the people out there talking about the consoles. It's like, everyone is so much more excited about PlayStation, and all we know is that, well, we don't know release date, we don't know price point, but all we know is that Xbox Series X is significantly more powerful and Sony's been more tight-lipped. And even through all of that, people still prefer the PlayStation. I'm telling you, the only way Xbox can beat PlayStation, it, it has to do with Sony fucking up. If Sony overprices it, then it, so I guess I guess your point's valid then, Lethal Migraine. Yes, if Microsoft takes a hit on it, sells the box for 400 bucks, which isn't going to happen. But if they did, and then Sony's like, uh, we, we're charging 550 600 for the PS5, then yeah, I guess the Xbox could potentially take over and win. But... I don't think that's going to be the case. I really don't think Microsoft's going to take that hit and make that happen, but it'd be cool. Let's wrap up with a a final comment from Tanali Maya. Sorry, everyone else. I just had to 
We just got to get through these comments and get into the actual show. So Tenali says, My opening salvo is that I am pleased to see an uptick in comments on this channel. Mr. DeRosa works hard to bring us interesting content, so it's good to see his efforts yield such positive results. I, for one, cannot wait to see these consoles launch already, if only to silence the chatter of the ongoing console war. Amen. I wonder, Jesse, if you would humor me by musing on on why people want others to like what they like. Why do we stake our claim to a product, a team, a candidate, and naturally attempt to convince others about its value? Is it communal behavior that goes back to our tribal ancestry? Why does it matter so much to us? In full transparency, I will publicly confess that I have fallen victim to this mentality as well. What are your thoughts, Jesse? Well, I love this question because... One, you're really honest there at the end. You say, I have fallen victim to this mentality as well. I think we all have. That's what I was going to start with as well, is that I am absolutely guilty of falling victim to this mentality before, and I will do it again in the future, just knowing me, and I think we all do it. So I, I don't begrudge anyone for having a favorite side or favorite team, but obviously we all have to catch ourselves. It's our own duty to, to catch ourselves in our tracks when we... Uh, when we, when we find ourselves being a little too fanboy or pushy with our own personal views or opinions. And, and before we dive any further into that, thank you so much for the, for the, for the, the supporting comments about the, the channel growing. Now, you say there's a lot of comments, there's an uptick in comments, but you know, I'm not seeing a big up, uptake in uh, subscribers and new listeners. So guys, remember to share this podcast with your friends. Uh, this isn't about, this isn't about you know, me just wanting to cater to you guys and give you guys the best show possible. This really isn't. At the end of the day, I don't do this for altruistic reasons. I want to quit my day job. I want to monetize the show. Guys, help me spread the word of the show so I can make you listen to Dollar Shave Club ads. Thank you so much. Now, back to Tenali's point. You say, see, that I, I agree with you about the, the console war thing is like the number one thing. I always forget that the console wars were like, are like still a relevant part of a conversation until a new console comes out. I haven't, I haven't seen this much like quote unquote console war behavior going on since back in the 2003 era of PlayStation people calling it Xbox, Xbox fans, Xbots, which is still one of my favorite insults of all time. I, I love that insult. And, uh, you know, just kind of the whole like, Xbox One sucks, it's overpriced, the messaging is wrong, Xbox Connect is stupid, PlayStation's better, it's cheaper. Like that was a that was a massive console war like resurgence that I totally forgot about until that point. And then I forgot about it all over again until we got to this point again. Where we're seeing this happen a lot where where people are just really passionately on one side or the other and it's uh it is annoying, but you know, like with all things, it's 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 a it's a question of balance. I have no problem. Listen, I think I appreciate Lethal Migraine uh, coming out here and kind of always being in defense of the Xbox because it is fun. I I love Microsoft. I love Xbox. It is fun to be out here and be like, hey, well, let's let's defend all the great things about Xbox because if you're an Xbox fan, you're used to being you know, really enthusiastic about a brand that is really awesome, has a great product, has great services, really listens to and caters to and satisfies its fan base and then gets almost no respect from the rest of the uh, rest of the party. Right. You know, no one else in the games industry seems to really admire and appreciate and, and see how great of a brand Xbox has become towards its fan base in, in recent years, the way that Xbox fans have. And, and I get how that's frustrating. We're like, you're an Xbox fan. You, you're really passionate about this thing. And you want to share that enthusiasm and that passion with others, right? You want to like, you meet your coworker who you didn't think he was a gamer person, but then you find out that he owns a PlayStation. He plays video games. You're like, oh shit, maybe this is a potential bonding opportunity. But then they're, they're kind of blindly one of those. I don't know much about gaming, 
you know, I just have my PlayStation for Grand Theft Auto and Fortnite, but fuck Xbox, it's stupid, the controller's dumb, and they start rant, like rambling off with all those like stupid talking points that don't actually mean anything. And it becomes like a it becomes a thing of like, I don't know, from the most like sincere and well-intended point of of a person's heart. I think there's there's a bit of like not so much like I have to turn you to my side because you're an idiot and I'm right and you're wrong. I think a lot of times what goes misrepresented is the reason why people get so passionate about being like, no, 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 this is why my thing's better. This is why I want you to know about my thing is because they want you to see the excitement and the enthusiasm they have for something so that you can have that shared thing. It, it it's it's a well-intended thing that comes off in the worst in the worst way possible because everyone's so heated and, and emotionally illicit about about that thing so I just I don't know I think like at least for myself there are moments where you know there are moments where I, I told on the show a few months ago where I had that co-worker talking about how he likes PlayStation he plays Fortnite pretty much exclusively and he was buying the PlayStation 5 because it's better than the Series X and the Xbox has a dumb controller and it's one of those things where it's like I had to catch myself being a little bit of an elitist asshole towards him because I was trying to be, you know, like, okay, well, you can like your own thing. That's cool. But another part of me is like, dude, you clearly don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, who am I? It's like, yeah, sure, I have an Xbox podcast. That doesn't make me a fucking authority, you know? I don't know any more about this brand than any of you listening or anyone out there who plays Xbox and doesn't have a podcast or, or work for the media or anything like that. It's like, I just know that I love Xbox enough to do a podcast about it and to follow the news and to try engage and, and start a, a discourse about this shit because I love it. But that doesn't make me an authority on it. And you have to, you have to like, I don't know. I think I think it's an equal parts thing where you have to approach every conversation that turns, you know, whether it is political or sports related or gaming related, and and understand that it's like everyone kind of comes to a conversation with this kind of arrogant mindset that. I'm a bigger authority on this subject matter than the person I'm talking to. And I think politics and religion are by far the clearest examples of where this goes wrong, where everyone just thinks like, well, because I know how passionate I am about this and how emotionally involved I am in this subject matter, clearly I know more about this and I have this subject matter's correct answers and best interests in mind when I speak. So this person has to listen to me. And if everyone comes to the conversation from that point of view, it just results in a lot of butting heads. And I think that's what console wars is. And I, and I know the most common response you see these kinds of questions about like, why do console wars still exist is, is usually something to the effect of, well, people want to validate their side and validate their purchase. It's like, yes, I, I'm sure that is one of many, many answers. And that's maybe one side of a very complex situation, but I don't think that's like a, I don't think that's like a blanket solution or explanation for why people are the way they are. I, I know I personally don't feel a need to validate why I'm on an Xbox, a platform that's significantly less popular than PC or um, PlayStation. When I tell people, yeah, I predominantly game on Xbox. I have PlayStation. I have Switch. I don't really use them a whole lot. I, I like to play on Xbox. It's my preferred playing or platform. I don't. I don't feel this sense to be like, no, 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 guys. L listen, uh, I, I uh, the reason why I spent five hundred dollars on an Xbox when I could have spent four hundred on a PlayStation Four is because uh, I'm a fucking idiot who has no respect for my money and my hard work. It's like, no, it's not that. It's it, it really is like. I'm really enthusiastic about this platform. I really love it. And I think there's a lot of misinformation. And I think a lot of people come at this from a very mob mentality sort of thing. And they don't, and 
and, and they don't really give the other side or my perspective or the other thing the time of day it deserves. And I think that's something that's definitely exacerbated as a result of the age of the internet. You think about like the Sega Genesis versus Nintendo, Super Nintendo days, and it was like, well, people felt so emotionally attached and heated towards their side of that argument because, you know, they're going to school, talking to their friends, reading magazines and all this shit, which made them very, you know, feel very communal and attached and a part of something when it came to their side of the gaming spectrum. But then you go, you go into like the Xbox One PS4 generation, you know, you go into the future where we have Twitter and the internet and Reddit and all this bullshit. And now it's like the same thing as like those lunchroom conversations in, in middle school, but amplified to the entire fucking world and made in like a way more toxic and easily accessible kind of way where it's like, I love Xbox, so I follow subreddits about Halo and Xbox and Xbox-related things. I follow people on Twitter who talk about Microsoft and Xbox and Xbox-related things. And I follow YouTubers who talk about Halo and Xbox and all this shit. And so my universe is like Halo and Xbox and all this shit I like. And so when I see people shit-talking Xbox, I'm like, see, clearly you just don't get what makes Xbox so special. So it's important to understand that it's like, yeah, a lot of people, the vast majority of people are probably not going to give the thing that they don't have an innate respect for and interest in the time of day to really understand it's in it's ins and outs. It's why I think most, most Republicans don't appreciate Democrats. Why most Democrats don't appreciate Republicans because most people just don't have the capacity to say, well, here's the thing I don't like allow me to educate myself extensively on these points of view, this other thing, this alternate thing that I'm not involved in because I need to understand why I don't like this thing. That's that's something where the onus is on every individual, but I don't think I don't think a lot of people have the self-discipline or the self-awareness or or the inclination to be like, "Hey, I'm going to go out of my way to understand this thing I don't like or I don't know enough about or I'm kind of opposed to." And I think that's that's just it's it's kind of a combination of all these things. I know this is kind of a jumbled explanation, but I think it's this kind of amalgamation that results in this in this ignorance and this tribalism and you, you see it in sports teams, you see it in politics, you see it in religion, you see it in video game consoles, which is a weird thing, but I mean you see it in the phone space a lot like the iPhone versus Android thing. It's like that's one of the like I don't know about you, but I I think the iPhone versus Android argument might be an even more absurdly stupid argument than the PlayStation versus Xbox argument because at least with PlayStation versus Xbox you can talk about how like they have different first party games with iPhone versus Android it's like you really are fucking stupid like they all do the same goddamn things it's like just fucking shut up you like one phone over the other because the way it feels or the person that made it or the the way the OS is laid out or whatever it's like it's all the same goddamn shit just just calm your calm your fucking horses down so I don't know. I appreciate this com- this this comment because it's fu- it's fun to speculate on why uh, humanity is so broken. But uh, that console wars it's a weird thing. I think yes, there's a chance that the person you're talking to doesn't know as much about your side of the argument or your perspective or the thing you like, whatever your stake in that argument or that conversation is, you know. But there's also a good chance that you don't also understand and respect their side of the argument as much as they do, and and a lot of people build you know, relationships with the things they love just based on good memories and things like that, you know? So maybe someone likes PlayStation because they have really great memories of playing PlayStation with their, with their siblings or their friends or their cousins growing up. And that just makes PlayStation a really special brand for them. That's an awesome thing. And that's something that should be celebrated that that person should really, you know, take pride in and, and really be happy about. And, 
you know, it's not your fan. It's not your objective or your purpose as an Xbox fan to try and rip that away from someone. So uh, I don't know. It just takes. I, I think the solution to trying in 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 avoiding console war like discussions and and avoid being part of the problem and exacerbating the situations is to just understand that whenever you approach a situation like this or you get involved in a situation like this, a conversation like this, it's like understand that that person doesn't understand your point of view nearly as much as they think they do. And you don't understand that person's point of view nearly as much as you think you do. So just, just be like, I can take what this person's saying with a grain of salt and just exercise a whole bunch of patience and just be like, okay, I'm listening to you. I'm hearing you out. I'm sure there's some validity to what you're saying. And there's also a lot of validity to to what I'm saying, but just, uh, just don't get so fixated on what other people think. I don't know. It's a, it's it's an interesting thing. I don't feel like I answered your question at all, or n- not that it, my my objective here is to answer your question, but I don't feel like I gave you a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of stuff to chew on here. But I don't know. Maybe it is just because of our tribal ancestry. People people really do feel people really do feel a need to like have a side. I I don't think having a side. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I keep talking about this. I don't think having a side is such a bad thing as long as you're aware of that. You know, like. You could call me an Xbox fanboy and it won't hurt my feelings. I know I'm an Xbox fanboy. You can call me a Microsoft fanboy. That doesn't upset me. Like, I know I'm a Surface fanboy when it comes to, you know, Microsoft stuff. Like, I know I spent way too much money buying exclusively Surface products when I could find, you know, other versions of these kinds of two-in-one computers and earbuds and, and, and smartphones for far less money. Things that do almost the same thing for far less money. It's like, I get that I'm a fanboy. But I think it's important that you own that and that you are aware of that. So that's that's another important aspect of this is like understand your own bias and understand your own your own allegiances, you know, and uh, if you're mindful of those things, then maybe you can come into situations, you know, not thinking you're an almighty God, but just also acknowledging that you're a human who has your own preferences Except when it comes to politics, where there should be no sides. Everyone should be an independent because no one should blindly agree ideologically with a blanket statement of beliefs. They should just cherry-pick the things that they believe based on a case-by-case basis. But that is a different conversation. And that is is one ground I I will just simply not cede. So that is a nice way to unravel all my logic there. Now, what I've, what I've been eating, let's, 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 let's get away from the comments. Remember, don't be shy, reply. Comments come from YouTube. If you're commenting anywhere else, that's a big old waste of time because I'm not going to see them. Rate the show five stars. Sometimes we talk about Xbox on this podcast, and we're going to get to some news, but i got to tell you what I've been eating, which is some Disney pizza. I finally made it back to Disney's Hollywood Studios theme park this week. What a great day. I had some Disney pizza. We're not going to expound on this because we've talked way too much about food. I also made a fish curry a couple nights ago that was pretty damn good, so I'm going to brag about that as well. So what I've been playing, I've been playing some Halo 5, I've been playing some Forge custom games, some some competitive multiplayer. My brother made me download a game on computer called Among Us. It's on Steam. It is a cute little multiplayer game where everyone is on the ship and they have to do these objectives, and two people randomly get chosen every round to be the killers, and your objective as a killer is to murder the other team without being found out as the murderer and the objective of the other side is to do the tasks before the murderer kills you all. So I like that game because I like to uh, not play it seriously and then tell everyone I'm the murderer when I'm the murderer and also try to blame other people for things they didn't do. And I pissed off a lot of people playing that this weekend and that was fun. I played some Battletoads as we talked about earlier. 
But that's going to do it for all of that non-related new stuff. Guys, we're an hour and 75 minutes in. They've made uh, they've made four more Lord of the Rings movies, director cut versions, in the time that's taken me to get to this point. But we finally made it to the news for the week. So, guys, without further ado, let's talk about some Xbox. All right, our first story this week it comes from Xbox Wire, and it's in regards to that new Xbox Series X UX design, that user experience, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term UX. You got a fresh and streamlined approach, uh, according to this headline, where... Yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's been all over the Twitter universe. It's on Xbox Wire. You can see videos of it on YouTube. But the new user experience for Xbox our Series X has been teased. It looks pretty nice. From the home screen, it kind of looks similar to what we have right now. Um, but, you know, like the blockier kind of applications and options have gotten more like rounded corners now. So it looks a little softer, a little more modern. Uh, but there's also a lot more under the hood. So let's jump into some of the big things that were updated. So the Xbox Wire kind of breaks it down by point by point. So they simplified the guide. So when you hit the guide button, you'll have kind of your more bare essential items. So that'll be easier to kind of navigate things and load into different things. So the, everything looks a little smaller, a little more condensed, and a little more streamlined there. Now, as far as the landing page, they've kind of cleaned up the dashboard a little bit. It looks like there's some fewer ads, but still ads. Um, it looks like there's just one ad now. And that the rest of it is just like your games, your apps, and things like that as you kind of uh, lay them out and as you organize that. But the next big thing is that the uh, the notifications and the inbox tab has kind of been redone, which is really nice because I feel like this has been kind of a mess as of late. Um, but the August update will include a new notifications inbox, which uh, allows you which puts your game invites, alerts, messages, and everything all in one single feed, which I'm really happy about because I've noticed that like whenever I get notifications about like someone followed you or like someone messaged you, a lot of that stuff just hasn't been making its way to like my attention. I just haven't been noticing it for some reason. So to put that like in the same place where you're getting your party chat invites, that's that's good. Kind of keeps all those notifications in one place saying, hey, this is the shit that you need to take notice of. People are trying to talk to you, dumb idiot. Party chats are also getting updated here. So now you'll be able to, so now you'll be able to, this is this is the big one here. You'll be able to adjust the volume of everyone in your party. So like if someone's speaking really quiet and someone's speaking really loud in your party, you can click on the individual people in your party and adjust their volumes to kind of balance out all the sound coming in, which is a huge one. The activity feed's also getting a bit of an overhaul here where they're going to put a lot more like shared content stuff rather than just kind of inundating you uh, with community pages and, cl and club updates and things like that. So it'll be a little more about, you know, shared content and less about like update notification things and, and, and uh, news related stuff. But I think, I think the bigger thing, the, the biggest part of this whole update, or at least in my opinion, is how they're bringing this kind of uniform change to all versions of it, whether it's the Xbox app on PC, on Game Bar, the the xCloud app on, on Android, or the X, actual Xbox like console. They're kind of universally changing the whole thing to be one similar UI. So everything looks a little more uniform and clean and familiar. I think that's a huge thing. And the other huge thing is that you can kind of customize the way things look. So if you want to go into the settings, you can get really fucking nerdy with it. So the console is going to be getting like all the really nerdy, nitty gritty uh, things where you can change like the cap size, the font size, the text size, the type of text, the coloring of all the different kind of options. So you can really customize everything about how your 
your icons look and how your text looks and everything on your Xbox and really personalize and color and size everything to be just the way it works best for you. So that's actually something I'm really excited about because that's what I love about Windows 10 is just kind of making everything dark mode themed and adding purple accents to everything. So that's something I'm really excited to do on Xbox. I'm actually I'm actually super excited about that for no reason, but that to me is the biggest thing they're doing here. And then of course, on top of all that, it's that everything is speeding up and going to be a lot, a lot less intensive on the OS and just be a snappier, faster, cleaner uh, OS overall, that Windows 10 experience on console. So this is, they're calling it the August update because it's starting to roll out now. Uh, but this is a look at what you'll be seeing on your Xbox Series X when it comes out later this fall. Um, so you'll start seeing a lot of this shit roll out throughout the month of August. And a lot of insiders are already getting these features and some of these changes as early as this week. So you may have already noticed some of these things happening. Now, this isn't like a like a big let's let's divulge what this means. But I do think it's it's just kind of crazy to think that like for the first time there's going to be a new console and it's not going to be like, oh, let's turn it on for the first time and see how it looks different. It's going to be like, wow, it looks exactly like my other Xbox because it's all the same thing, just kind of uniformly updating and changing. So, I mean, that's a cool thing that's part of this move to make Xbox less of a generation thing and more of a all-inclusive platform where no matter where you're playing, it's always the same. But it, it is, it's weird to think that basically the way my Xbox One looks, you know, in October is how my Xbox Series X is going to look like when I finally get it in November, assuming that November actually comes and the thing actually comes out because we still don't have a release date or a price, but I am uh, I'm confident that something's going to be announced soon. Now, we'll get into it later in the news. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War got a release date this week, and it's November 13th. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon's November 13th. A lot of games are November 13th, guys. Look at that date. That is either going to be the release date of the Xbox Series X or within a week of the release date. I'm, I'm telling you, that thing's coming out second, third week of, of November. Mark mark my goddamn words. So, still pretty confident in that. So, that's going to do it for our new UX overhaul. Now, our first like big news story of the week comes from IGN. I, I was pretty busy this week, so I did a lot of copying and pasting from IGN here. So their article reads, Microsoft has tapped top talent from Bungie and Crystal Dynamics to join their mysterious quadruple A studio, The Initiative. Among the 16 new hires revealed on LinkedIn by studio head Daryl Gallinger, we can see that the Shadow of the Tomb Raider and Marvel's Avengers director, uh, Remy... Remy Lacoste uh, has made the jump to the initiative to work on the uh, to work as an experiential experiential director. Uh, Destiny 2 narrative lead Christine Thompson has also joined the studio in a lead writer position. We're yet to learn what the studio is working on, of course, uh, but our latest clues arriving from Phil Spencer himself reveals that the initiative is challenging themselves to do new things and new ways, whatever that means. So Microsoft has revealed that it's founded the initiative in Santa Monica, blah, 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 back in 2018. And this is just their kind of recap of, of what all that means. So this is actually a big deal that they're getting some big talent. First of all, they're getting bungee talent. I'm I'm not sure. Christine Thompson, I don't I don't think she was at Bungie back in the Halo days. I think she's a, a Destiny 2 or a Destiny era Bungie employee. But the fact that they're like, you know, they're getting bungee talent back at Xbox is just kind of, you know, for historic purposes, uh, a, a big deal there. And the fact that they're getting Someone who just recently worked on Marvel's Avengers coming, like, basically abandoning that project before it's even out to come over to the initiative is also kind of a notable acquisition. But, yeah, they're, they're gobbling up talent left and right. I mean, this was, again, we talk about all the time with this studio. 
This was the point of putting them in Santa Monica, was strategically placing a, a quadruple A, as they call it, studio, right smack dab in the middle of where all these other big studios are, so that you can kind of gobble up that really big talent and say, hey, this is our Naughty Dog. This is Microsoft using their money to to buy up a studio that is creative and talented so that they can have their Uncharted, their Last of Us, their God of War 2018, whatever whatever it is that people are looking for, that the thing that Xbox so sorely needs. Um, but also, the more I see stuff like this, the more I'm also convinced it's like, yeah, that Perfect Dark remake or that Perfect Dark reboot is probably a thing, but there's no way that's what the initiative is working on. And actually, after that July Xbox event, having seen the way that most studios at Xbox are working on two or three projects at a time, I'm more convinced than ever before that the initiative is probably working on something bigger. Like they have a second project that's like their big main thing. It's some like ground up brand new groundbreaking IP. And then the perfect dark reboot thing is like what the, what the B team is working on. And I'm kind of more convinced this was kind of my assertion back in the day. And now I'm kind of reconvincing myself of it because we didn't see, you know, that perfect dark reboot back in July because we're seeing them continue to hire big talent and continue to grow. I, I'm just guessing that this this team is not working on. You know, you're not you're not getting the lead writer from Destiny Two, and and studio head of Crystal Dynamics and all these kinds of really notable people. You're not just getting them all so that you can make a perfect dark reboot. Again, I, I, I I'm not saying they couldn't do amazing things with that property. I just don't believe they're gonna blow the world's socks off by getting the biggest talent in gaming and being like, okay, guys, uh, go make go remake this uh, game that no one liked on the uh, on the Xbox 360 and that was moderately popular on the N64 but also not that big a deal so they 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 got to be doing something bigger than just a perfect dark reboot and I'm more convinced than ever before about that so I don't know when we'll see that uh but it's interesting to see them continue to gobble up all this big talent and and just as a you know big side note you know the fact that they've got Drew Murray formerly of Insomniac at that studio just has me so excited. That's that's the thing I'm most excited about. I, I can't wait to see what that team cooks up with just so many fucking awesome notable people, especially a guy like Drew Murray, one of my favorite developers from one of my favorite studios. Really, really can't wait to finally get some kind of concrete update on what that team is going to do. Next up, Microsoft has filed a statement in support of Epic's request to keep access to the Apple SDK for its Unreal Engine. Microsoft believes that Epic having access to the latest Apple technology is the right thing for gamers and developers, according to a uh, filing that was posted on Twitter by head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, which was de- which was a declaration by Kevin uh, Gamil, the general manager of gaming development experiences at Microsoft, who describes how harmful this potential move by Apple could be for Microsoft and the gaming industry as a whole. The main purpose of this was the fact that Epic's Unreal Engine is quote, critical technology for numerous game creators, including Microsoft. While there are many studios who develop their own games, their own game engines, Unreal Engine remains of the top choices for those who don't have the resources and capabilities to do so. In Microsoft's view, there are a few other options for the game engines that offer as many functionalities and uh, as Unreal Engine across multiple platforms do, including on iOS. Furthermore, Microsoft has a, quote, enterprise-wide multi-year Unreal Engine license agreement and has invested significant resources in engineer engineering time uh, into working with and customizing Unreal Engine for its own games on PC, Xbox, and mobile devices, including iOS. Now, this is the case for other developers in the gaming industry as well, and if Apple were to deny Epic access to Apple's SDK and other development tools, it would, quote, place Unreal Engine in those gaming creators that have built and are building in many 
built games at a substantial disadvantage. If this were to actually go through, many developers would have to choose between A, starting development all over again with new game engines, or B, abandoning the iOS and macOS platforms and ceasing development entirely. So this is a this was a really interesting story that I feel like not enough people really commented on. I, I, I read this when it first broke when Spencer tweeted it out, the, the filing post. I read the whole thing and immediately tweeted out about how annoyed I was getting by people who were just constantly shitting on Microsoft saying you're on the wrong side of this battle. L- listen, guys, what you think about, you know, what Epic is doing to sue Apple right now and how Apple's responding, regardless of how you feel about that story, which is not an Xbox-related story. We're not going to really get into that. Regardless of how you feel about that story, you know, the whole Fortnite being pulled from Apple uh, App Store and all that shit, that's a whole different story. I know it's related to this, but that's a different story. The fact of the matter here is Apple is now threatening Epic by saying, we're denying you access to our SDK you know, access from all Epic-owned properties and licensees, access to our SDKs to where, you know, if someone's going to do something as simple as develop a game in Unreal Engine, the most popular and common engine ever, you know, maybe with the rare exception of, like, Unity, but probably still Unreal is bigger than that. You're going to deny people who use that engine the ability to put their games on iOS and macOS because it is a property, it is an owned engine technology of Epic Games that's catastrophic. And so obviously Microsoft wrote this this appeal, this filing as a way of saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Microsoft has a lot invested in, in Unreal Engine because we use it for our games. We have a multi-year partnership with them. Like if you say, you know, apps developed with and, and, and developers who work in Unreal Engine have no place on iOS and macOS because, you know, Epic's banned from Apple SDK, then it's not about fucking over uh, Epic Games in particular, or even Microsoft, you know, a big company that, that heavily relies on on Unreal Engine. This is about how it fucks over all the indie developers. And and so Microsoft, you know, came out, and of course they're able in a, in a nice PR way to be like, oh, you know, we're looking out for the little guys as well as ourselves. Of course this is 99% about Microsoft covering their own asses and trying to support themselves. But they're basically appealing to, to Apple saying, guys, I know you got your shit going on right now. Please reconsider. This cannot happen. It's going to greatly affect Microsoft and greatly affect many, many developers. And even though, of course, this is Microsoft doing this not on you know behalf of their altruism, but in an effort to protect themselves, this really is also about maybe not so much from intentionally from Microsoft's perspective, but just in a general sense, it is about the smaller developers, the indie developers, the people who put their games on iOS. This is catastrophic to those people if this happens, because not only does it mean, you know, oh, you were planning on making a game in, in Unreal and you're going to put that on, on iOS. Oh, too bad. You got to restart or you got to think of a different engine or whatever. Like that's already bad enough as is, but that's, that's a whole different beast from what the bigger problem at large here is that, you know, if you're a developer who's like, I'm not owned by Epic Games, my game is just made in Unreal and I'm a small developer who relies on the app store in order to push my product and sell my game and everything. But my game was built in Unreal. Now you're just totally shit out of luck because Apple's gonna be like, "Sorry, you can't update your app anymore. You can't, you can't submit new updates and new versions of the app for certification." So I, I don't think they would forcibly remove apps that were, you know, made in Unreal Engine or that games that were made in Unreal Engine from the App Store. But I think they would, you know, they'd ban Epic SDK, meaning that 
basically if you're working on an update for your game or optimizing your game for future Apple software and hardware, then basically you're shit out of luck because it's like, nope, you got to re-release the game with a different engine, which is just an impossible ask because yeah, that's fine. It's like, okay, well my game will still be safe on Apple services. What until like three years from now when like you just have to update the game to support the newer iPhone or whatever. Eventually this is going to force so many games and apps off the Apple ecosystem as a result of Apple basically just trying to force force Epic's hand, twist their arm, and this is just a, this is a really big deal. So, I mean, I tweeted out about this earlier this week. Like, I, there were so many people who were just basically shitting on Microsoft about this, saying like, oh man, you're on the wrong side of this argument, man. Epic's being such a dick. They're trying to use their Fortnite money to flex on Apple and to get them to do this. It's like, th- dude, from the perspective of a consumer, stop trying to pick a big giant to be on sides with, you know? Stop trying to defend Microsoft or Apple or Epic or any of that shit. It's like, fuck all of that. It's like, what about all the many, many small developers that are going to get totally fucked over by this? And that's the bigger thing I'm concerned about here. So, I mean, I guess that's the less relevant part of the conversation to Xbox news. The bigger part is Microsoft you know, submitting this appeal and everything. But I mean, if, again, if you want to look at this solely through the eyes of Microsoft and how this affects the quote unquote Xbox ecosystem, then this is just one more nail in the coffin of you ever getting project X cloud on iOS. So I don't, this is a huge deal. It's crazy that this is heating up like it is. And now we know that this, uh, this, this, this lawsuit is going to court and that this is probably going to be fought over the next year or three so it's gonna be a long time before we really see the end of this which is unfortunate but you know there's no telling how long fortnite's not going to be on ios there's no telling how this is going to affect microsoft and unfortunately there's no telling how this is going to affect all these smaller developers and app developers and game makers and everything with their products that are out on the ios store that are actively being developed for ios or for future developers who want to make things in you or in unreal for ios so Huge loss on all fronts there, but we'll have to keep our eyes out on that story. Finally, do you guys like some Call of Duty news? Finally, 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 finally. No teases, no rumors, just a full legitimate reveal. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War finally been revealed, and it will come to Xbox One, PC, on November 13th, with an Xbox Series X version coming later this holiday season. After numerous leaks, teases, and rumors, Activision today unveiled that Treyarch slash Raven co-production uh, inside of Call of Duty Warzone. That's how they announced it was a, a mission inside of the Warzone mode on Call of Duty, which is pretty cool. The way they do it, I actually saw a video of it. It was pretty neat shit. Uh, and the announcement featured the new campaign, multiplayer, and a zombies experience, uh, which are and a continuation of Warzone, the very popular battle royale mode from Modern Warfare. Now, Black Ops Cold War will feature the following modes, according to Battle.net. A campaign, multiplayer, and zombies modes, with the campaign being described as uh, Black Ops Cold War will drop fans into the depths of the Cold War's violent geopolitical battle of the early 1980s. Nothing is is ever as it seems in a gripping single-player campaign, where players will come face-to-face with historical figures and hard truths as they battle uh, around the globe. Uh, through iconic locales as East Berlin, Vietnam, Turkey, Soviet KGB headquarters, and more. As the four, as for forwards and backwards upgrades support across generations, if you buy the standard edition on PS4, either digitally or physically, you will have the option to buy an upgrade of the PS5 version of the game. However, if you buy a physical, the disc will still need to be required, or, or will still require to be inserted in your PS5, even if you're playing the upgraded version. 
Now, I only say that I only mention that so that we can compare it to how it works on the Xbox. So for comparison's sake, just because this has been so interesting to see how the situation has been handled on the different consoles, on Xbox One, when you purchase the game, it cannot it cannot upgrade to the Series X version of the game if you buy the physical edition, just period. Upgrades for digital editions of the Xbox One are currently being evaluated according to Activision. Uh, both current-gen versions will be backwards compatible on the PS5 and Series X, whether you buy digital or physical, but if you wish to upgrade, that's where things become murkier. Meanwhile, for the next-gen versions, the PS5 Standard Edition includes only the PS5 version of the game, while the Series X version includes the Series X disc that can also be played on an Xbox One. And there is a digital cross-gen version available, and there is a digital cross-gen version available which entitles players to both current and next-gen versions of the game. Black Ops Cold War features cross-play support across current next-gen consoles, as well as cross-progression across included modes. A battle pass will be available as well, offering free post-launch content, blah, 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 zombies updates, all that shit. Warzone will, of course, continue in the game, and Black Ops creator Treyarch will be handling the multiplayer for this year's outgoing. Black Ops Cold War, uh, the campaign has been handled by Raven, the studio's first original game project since 2010's Singularity. The campaign is a direct sequel to 2010's Black Ops 1 and will feature the original characters Mason, Woods, and Hudson, although you'll play as a customizable player character, which is weird. As for Call of Duty Warzone, Modern Warfare's wildly popular battle royale, we know that Black Ops Cold War will be integrated into the existing game, but details remain scarce. There's a lot to unpack here, so... So yeah, first of all, let's get all the Call of Duty stuff out of the way so we can talk about the backwards compatibility shit afterwards. But the game being a direct sequel to Black Ops from 2010, I think it's just kind of funny because it's like they made a Black Ops 2, 3, and 4, and none of those were sequels to Black Ops 1. But now we get but now we get a different studio making a campaign in the Black Ops universe, and they're finally like, oh, yeah, let's give people the sequel to the one Black Ops that was actually good. So I just find that kind of funny as a side note. But this is, this is interesting because it kind of reveals what was happening all along. So... The campaign is being handled by Raven, and the multiplayer is being handled by Treyarch. I actually like this idea a lot because, well, first of all, Treyarch's kind of proven themselves over the year to be the the absolute S-tier, like, gold standard for Call of Duty multiplayer, right? They're the ones that most people go to as, like, the de facto Call of Duty gaming experience, right? It's Treyarch, right? Okay, so that's fine. That makes sense. Now, the rumor forever was that Raven was kind of in shit and then Treyarch had to jump in and kind of take over things. But I mean, I'm sure I'm still there. Sure. I'm sure there's still some truth or something to that story. But the interesting thing here is it, it, it was, it was conveyed to us as a rumor as more of like Raven was making the whole package and was running into some trouble. And then Treyarch inherited the project and finished things up and Raven would still get credit for some of it, but, or like co-credit, but wasn't going to get, full credit for the thing but now it's being presented to us more like no no no. Treyarch's making the multiplayer Raven's making the campaign which kind of makes sense in this in the sense that well Treyarch botched the campaign last time they tried to do that with Black Ops 4 so they they scrapped it all together and then Raven you know they were well known as a uh narrative driven or you know regular game making studio they weren't really a multiplayer studio uh, before they were acquired by Activision. So this is kind of them going back to their roots, so to speak. So this is really cool to see Raven going back. You know, for, they say first campaign they've made, first story-driven campaign that they've made since in 2010 when they made Singularity, which is a really interesting game. I always wanted to play that, but I never did. 
Um, but apparently that game was made without Activision's permission. Apparently they just kind of made a bunch of it and then we're like, hey, here's this thing we've been working on behind the scenes. It's like we're pretty far into it and Activision was just like, well, fuck, we'll just publish it because you already made so much of it. Might as well just put it out there. And then the game tanked anyway. So that's kind of a funny side story about that. But also Raven was a studio that made that pretty good X-Men Origins game back in 2009. So I think they made one of the Wolfenstein games uh, that was pretty good. So they have a good track record for making some pretty solid games. So it's really exciting to see Raven, you know, even though it's still just Call of Duty, it's really exciting to see them get the spotlight again and get the kind of campaign and story credit again in a game. Um, Although it's really unfortunate, you know, that they're really not allowed to do anything that's not Call of Duty now that they're Activision owned, but I, I'm this has me pretty excited. The the one two punch of like, oh, it's it's a sequel to a Call of Duty that I vaguely remember because that was back, you know, Black Ops One was back when I still cared about Call of Duty regularly, and it's being handled by Raven. That's like, hmm, that has me intrigued. I'm like, that actually sounds like a pretty interesting looking Call of Duty game. Plus, I thought the trailer seemed pretty enticing. Um, but then they're like, oh yeah, it'll have all the all the characters you remember, but. You're not going to play as them. You're just going to create your own generic, customizable character, and that's who you play as. And that, that's disappointing to me because I, I hate that stuff. That that right there tells you it's going to be somewhat disappointing because it means your character is going to be a mute, and because you can create who they are, they're not going to have any real, you know, real gripping narrative um, connection to the story. It's just going to kind of be there. You're just going to be a block, kind of a a vehicle to push things forward. And so that, that's disappointing to me, but uh, I'm still interested. I'm cautiously optimistic on this game. They said uh, September 9th is when we'll get our multiplayer reveal. So we'll see more about the game pretty soon here. And then it's coming out November 13th. So finally we have some concrete information on call of duty. This is a little less concerning. Now we've never seen a call of duty announced so late. So that's interesting, but I, I don't know. I think this, surprisingly looks like one of the more interesting Call of Duties in recent history. Really excited to see how the campaign turns out of all things. Um, Then, of course, you know, we'll get more multiplayer and zombies and all that regular stuff. Um, But, yeah, this is... uh, I think this is one to continue to keep our eyes on. So far, it looks like they're making some right moves. Really hoping Raven puts out a solid campaign and that this uh, actually ends up being a a good Call of Duty because it's a little little sad. I, I don't wish for any game to tank or fail and the lack of announcements about this game were just really concerning. So here's hoping that, you know, all the parties involved in making this game come to fruition are, are successful and able to put out a good product and please fans and keep their jobs uh, by by not botching Call of Duty. So there's that. The, the main thing we got to talk about here, though, this uh, this backwards compatibility upgrade jargon bullshit that they're doing here. So so. If you if you buy the physical version on Xbox, if you buy the game on Xbox One on November 13th and then you get a Series X when it comes out a week later or whatever, you will not be able to access the Series X version. You'll just be able to play the Xbox One version on your Series X. That's what we're getting here. But if you buy the game digitally on your Xbox One, they say options are currently being evaluated, according to Activision, about upgrading you to the Series X version so I don't see that as like a 2K thing where they're like, hmm, or can we be greedy and double dip here and get more money out of this? I see this as like a, we still have the marketing deal with Sony and they still want to make our ver- their version stand out more. The trailer said 
running on a PlayStation 5. And we know that the marketing deal with Sony for Call of Duty is still intact as it has been since 2015 when Black Ops 3 came out. So my concern here is that, like a lot of other games we've seen before, there's the option for the digital version to just seamlessly give you the upgraded version. But Sony is doing one of those, hey, we need you to not make the Xbox version more enticing for upgrading uh, and, you know, as per our our contract, as part of their, you know, their marketing thing, the benefits of buying the PlayStation version. Of course, it will do the probably like some game mode or some map or some weapon will be exclusive to PlayStation for a year or something. And then the DLC will come to PlayStation for a while before it comes to Xbox. I'm sure they'll do all that mumbo jumbo. But this is one of those things where I'm like, I can't help but wonder if the reason why they don't have a concrete answer on why the digital edition on Xbox One doesn't automatically upgrade to the Series X version, if that has something to do with Sony being like, hey, we c- like per our agreement, our marketing agreement for Call of Duty to be with PlayStation, you cannot make the Xbox version of the game more enticing to the consumer, meaning you can't give the Xbox consumer, you know, a feature or an incentive that makes the Xbox version appear better than the PlayStation version because per our agreement and our contract, you know, Call of Duty has to have advantages on the PlayStation not found on Xbox. And that's what I'm worried about because what you see on the PlayStation version is that if you buy digital or physical, you have an option to buy the upgraded version to PS5, but you don't, you know, but you don't have like this whole automatic free upgrade. I, I It really upsets me that I can't remember what the specific game was, but we saw a different game that had like an exact identical situation to this. So my concern is that with PlayStation, it's it's more a matter of can't like than won't. Like a PS4 game can't just easily be upgraded to a PS5 version like that because of how Sony's playing with the, the rules of forwards and backwards compatibility. But with Xbox trying to really push smart delivery and try to make things more consumer friendly with the Xbox Series X, I feel like this is one of those things where it's like Xbox would be all in on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you buy it on the Xbox One, just make it, Make it a free upgrade to the Series X version when you play on the Series X. And Activision could be doing the whole, like, well, do we want to monetize this? Let's hold off and think about a thing. Or was Activision going to play ball with what Microsoft wants, which is, you know, just the free upgrade via smart delivery? Or were it, was this like, well, Sony, you know, per our contract with them and our marketing deal and everything, they said that the Xbox version can't yield any specific advantages that the PlayStation version doesn't have. So we're going to have to separate, you know the upgrade by a by a fee or a different version or some necessary purchase in order to keep everything on par or to keep the Xbox version disadvantaged relative to the PlayStation version to honor our contract and that's that's what worries me here is that we've we've entered a part uh, we've entered a situation now where Sony can leverage their their kind of marketing deals and their exclusivity and their you know their we're the top dog kind of thing where where, where they get all these marketing deals and all these third-party deals and use that to kind of fuck over some core aspects of what makes the Series X great, like a more powerful console and smart delivery and things like that. I just don't want to see us fall into the situation of like, wow, the Xbox has the potential to do all these things, but none of these third-party games will fucking take advantage of it because PlayStation. And that's, that's what worries me here. So, I mean, it's too soon to really tell what's going on here. Um, just because, you know, we don't have Xbox Series X yet. We haven't really seen enough games come out yet to really understand the nature of what how this works. So it's hard to say, is this a, is this an Activision thing? Is this a Sony thing? Is this a both parties thing? Um, but 
my suspicion is the reason why if you buy the digital version on your Xbox One, you don't automatically get a Series X upgrade is because they have to honor a contract with Sony where the Xbox version is not entitled to any glaring benefits or advantages that the PlayStation version doesn't have. Otherwise, that would be a breach of their marketing kind of contract and uh, partnership. So that's my concern there. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We're still going to have to wait for an answer from Activision as to how they're going to handle that. Maybe they decide to adopt smart delivery and it all works out for the better. But this is uh, this is concerning. This is the kind of shit I worry about because, you know, it's one thing when you're like, oh, you get the skin on the PlayStation, this gun, and DLC packs come four weeks early on PlayStation. It's another thing when you're like, yeah, we're just going to rob you of this uh, smart delivery feature that you would have otherwise gotten because PlayStation doesn't have a similar thing and we're not going to support that. And then our wrap-up stories, we got we got a couple quick ones here. As we kind of get to the latter half of the news segments, I should say. Um, Rocksteady, or finally this past weekend during the DC Comics fandom event panel, we learned finally about all these new DC games. So Rocksteady Studios, behind the Batman Arkham series, has finally announced their new game, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. We got a full trailer, everything. Um, well, not gameplay, but story and setting and all that. The trailer uh, shows Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, and King Shark, and the game will be out sometime in 2022. Kind of a shocking release date considering their last game came out in 2015. As the name implies, uh, Superman has become evil or something like that, as according to the trailer, and the Suicide Squad is tasked with killing the Justice League. The plot of Suicide Squad kills the Justice League um, follows closely the plot of Suicide Squad, the comic books, And so readers of the comic series may be familiar with some of the overarching plot points set in the open world of Metropolis. Each character has their own moveset and enhanced traversal abilities and can explore dynamic open world of Metropolis along with a variety of weapons and customization skills to master. The game will be one to four players on co-op and Rocksteady says it will be completely playable in single player uh, with bots filling in the role for the other characters, or you can load in with friends for a four player squad. Furthermore, Players will be able to jump in at any time, so start your game in single player and change to multiplayer in and out at any time, hop in, hop out, just like the LEGO games. Um, And then the game will only come to next-gen consoles, being a 2022 release, only coming to PS5, Series X, and PC, so fuck off old consoles. A little surprising how late that game is uh, coming out. The other one that was announced after years of teases, rumors, speculation, what have you, Batman Arkham Origins Studio, WB Games Montreal, has finally revealed their next game, and unsurprisingly, it's Dark Knight Returns. And unsurprisingly, it's a Batman game. WB Montreal's Batman game is officially announced, known as Gotham Knights, set for a 2021 release for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X, and PC. So current gen and next gen, and of course, PC. Um, the game will feature two-player online co-op, five uh, boroughs of Gotham City for players to explore, the ability to drive around via bat cycle, and an arsenal of combat gear that will grow as the game progresses. The debut trailer opened with a voiceover describing the disaster in Gotham City, with Bruce Wayne's body seemingly found in the rubble. Among the characters shown are Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing, and Red Hood, uh, which I think is the guy that looks like Deadpool. Then they also have the trailer for this, um, which uh, is coming out a little more imminently next year. So I, I like what they're doing here. I get what they're doing. They're trying to say, yeah, we're, we're using these IPs effectively. You'll get some Batman next year, some Batman the next year, or like some DC this year and next year and the year after that. They probably have, you know, there's always those Lego games. And then uh, presumably 
we'll get another Injustice game in another two years or so. So I get what they're doing. They're harping big on this uh, DC IP that WB has and, and kind of saying, like, here's the roadmap for what we're doing with DC games. It's kind of interesting because in a way, it's like almost like DC has the gaming market the way that Marvel has the, the movie market. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see how Marvel's Avengers pans out, but it's just interesting to see how with WB and with these studios like Rocksteady, they've really managed to really, really add a lot of depth and quality and uh, respect towards the DC superheroes in the gaming sphere. So anyway, the Suicide Squad game is really surprising just because it's like Rocksteady was so well known for like these, these more, uh, this more like Metroidvania, like kind of adventures, solo single player narrative driven uh, Batman game and then they just slowly kept opening it up more and more with the sequels and now they're just making an open world online co-op game that looks zany and in in a way it kind of looks like I don't know the trailer kind of looked like every modern game like Rage 2 or something where it's like it's colorful it's bombastic it's you know it's it's like the characters are like blowing shit up and using bad words and there's loud music and it's just like I, I feel like we've seen so much of this like neon post-apocalyptic look thing and it kind of has that. And I know that's kind of just the Suicide Squad look, but at the same time, it kind of just felt tired knowing how much of the games industry kind of looks like this these days anyway. But I I don't know. I just, I find this weird that one, by the time the game comes out, it'll have been seven years since Rockstay's last game. So like, what the actual hell were they doing? You know, I know they made that Batman VR experience on PlayStation VR, you know, a few years ago, but really, you know, their last game was Batman Arkham Knight, whatever the one 2015 was, and now their next game won't be till 2022, and it's the Suicide Squad game. So that's just absolutely insane to me that it took them this long to come up with a new game. And then, of course, WB Montreal, um, they made the Batman Arkham Origins game, and now they're kind of continuing or continuing to make Batman games. But the weird thing here is from what I what I read or from what I could find, it seems like Suicide Squad, despite looking nothing like the previous Rocksteady Batman games, is set in the Batman Arkham universe, but Gotham Knights, uh, despite the fact that WB games, Montreal has worked on a Batman Arkham game, even though it was like the spinoff or the origins one, um, their game Gotham Knights won't be set in the Batman Arkham universe. It's a new universe. So I feel like that's very confusing. Maybe, maybe a little bit true to the kind of setup we have going on with DC movies, where it's just kind of a clusterfuck of what's related and whether or not they're doing a cinematic universe or not. But yeah, it appears that the two universes are now separated. Uh, Rocksteady is continuing on with their universe they created, and WB Games Montreal is kind of doing their own universe, even though the art styles look pretty similar, and they are, you know, to most people, they probably won't know the difference. But nonetheless, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Again, it's hard. You guys know I'm not a big WB fan. I'm not a big DC fan. I'm not a big Batman fan. It's hard for me to see any of this and get excited, especially knowing how much of it is like, oh, it's co-op and open world. It's like, you're talking about like my least favorite properties and my least favorite types of games and you're just mashing it all into one. So it's hard for me to get enthusiastic about it. Although I will say, I thought the Suicide Squad trailer looked like, it looked fun. It looked kind of interesting. It looks at least well put together. I, I, I have high hopes that that game is going to be at the very least pretty well received and popular. Um, Gotham Knights, on the other hand, that looked a little more like tired and generic to me. I just, I don't know. It just looked like more generic superhero shit. So I have no interest in it. I have a hard time feigning any kind of excitement whatsoever for that. 
But nonetheless, finally, these games are out in the open. We know the names. We know what they look like. We know who's making them. We know rough, like, an idea of when they're coming out, what platforms they're on. So finally, these games are just, you know, out in the open in some capacity. So let me ask you now. Now that you see what WB Games Montreal is working on, what Rocksteady is working on, you want Xbox to buy this? You want this to be an Xbox thing? I, I know a lot of you say yes. I just, I don't know. This, this stuff just feels so... These are the kinds of games that I look at. I'm like, this feels like such a such a such a multi-platform thing like this deserves to be everywhere this shouldn't be locked to xbox i I don't know something like batman something like spider-man something that so universally loved i feel like just deserves to be accessible on all platforms but and then our final story of the of the week here is a little uh not not too deep but just a little elaboration on what happened last week which is uh in regards to that control uh next-gen upgrade debacle so 505 publisher 505 games has released a blog post explaining why the base game of control will not get the free next generation upgrade that as we learned last week so basically the the new version the game of the year ultimate edition whatever they're coming out with comes with a free upgrade to ps5 and series x but if you already own control not the ultimate edition just a regular edition you will not get a free upgrade to next gen versions you will have to buy the ultimate edition to get that upgrade so the publisher um behind remedy entertainment's control announced the ultimate edition last week explaining how all that worked and uh a lot after a lot of backlash a lot of people kind of being pissed about this uh they released a statement explaining uh that people who have purchased and supported the game will need to still buy the game again to play the next gen version saying quote the upgrade path we are offering is only possible when upgrading from the same version of when upgrading from the same version of the game. 505 said in a blog post that made on August 20th, they continue with, as we are only doing additional development on Control Ultimate Edition on the next gen platforms, we are unfortunately unable to offer this upgrade path to all existing control players. Now 505 Games says that it understands how this might upset some players and that players will still be able to play the 2019 edition on their new consoles, just not the next gen versions of them. Uh, of course, referring to backwards compatibility features on, on the consoles. But their, their their release continues to say, To bring control to next-generation consoles in any form, we had to make some difficult decisions. And those came in the form of creating simplified control Ultimate Edition products, uh, a product plan which we have today. That we took a while responding does not mean that we have not been listening. We are sorry we couldn't meet everyone's expectations, and we hope that you will continue to support control. Ultimately, they decided after a lot of consideration, though, that it has been deemed um, difficult to upgrade its, quote, current user base to the next gen with full parity across platforms with our year-old game, end quote. So this is a really awful quote, or this is a really awful explanation and excuse for what's happening. Personally, I think the best way they could have handled this, if they if they were going to go through with this decision anyway, the best thing they could have done would have just been to not say anything at all because this explanation basically just says, yeah, you caught us in our tracks. Fuck you. We're doing it anyway. Because especially that last quote there where it says um, difficult to upgrade its current users base to next generation with full parity across platforms with our year old game. It's like, first of all, you're drawing attention that the game is very new being only a year old. Second of all, it's not difficult to upgrade. Listen, I'm not a game developer. I'm, I don't claim to know how these things work. But don't fucking tell me that it's like the ultimate edition has some extra special coding in it that makes it easy to upgrade to the next generation version. And the old version of the game uh, is just like some old obsolete thing that they'd have to like crack into some old 
long lost coding code to be able to to implement such an upgrade. It's like that's all such massive bullshit. Like everything about this just screams bullshit. And the fact that they even put that last part in there just tells you that like they're speaking out of their asses. Like this so clearly could have been offered to people who already bought the game. This is a cheap way to get people to double dip because they're trying to get more money, more value out of the game. And if that's the case, more power to you. You have the you have the liberty and the freedom to make that decision as a publisher. Whether or not that's consumer friendly and people will like it or agree with it is, you know, up to the individual. But like if that's what you're going to do, just own it. But what they're saying here in this explanation is basically just like, yeah, uh, we're doing this anyway, but uh, trust us, it's really a hard decision to make, and it's uh, it's just not as easy as you think. It's like, no, I don't buy that for a fucking second. No one buys that for a second. No, like, that's such a bullshit excuse. They're clearly trying to section this off to get more money out of the game, and I just wish they either didn't say anything about it or they were just like, hey, we're sorry some of you guys are disappointed. This is what it is. The game didn't meet our expectations sales-wise. We need to find a way to uh, uh, generate some more income off of it. Obviously, they can't say that, but, like, I don't know. This was just such a shitty way of saying, like, you caught us in our bullshit. Sorry, we're not going to change our ways. (laughs) But whatever. If you needed some closure or an explanation as to why 505 made such a shitty decision with that upgrade edition and why you won't be able... To get the upgrade for free, even if you already bought the game, that is their half-assed explanation. So that's going to do it for all of our news stories this week, guys. Uh, Now, of course, we do have our important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we only have a a small handful this week. First one here is that Sega has announced that we'll be able to play the next Yakuza game, Yakuza Like a Dragon, when it releases on November 13th for Xbox, um, Xbox One and Series X. Next, Cyberpunk 2077 will feature free DLC as well as paid expansions, as uh, CD Projekt Red has revealed. And lastly, Crisis Remastered will now be arriving on PC via the Epic Games Store and Xbox One on September 18th. Releasing digitally for 30 bucks. the release follows the delay due to mixed reactions of leaked footage of the game. And that's going to do it for all of our wrap-up news. Now, guys, as you know, normally this next part is where... We look at the Xbox Wire, we look at the new game drop uh, for the week, and we judge the games based on nothing more but the name of the game and a screenshot. But for whatever reason, I just didn't, I I checked three times. I couldn't find it. I don't think they released one on the Xbox Wire this week. I could be wrong. I could have missed it. But I, I, I try, again, I checked three times. I could not find it. So I think there's just no drop this week. So with that said, I had to find a substitute. I had to find a replacement. We had to find something to make fun of. And I found this. A perfect little number here where the, the, the article is, ha- is titled Xbox Unveils Three Spectacular Consoles Inspired by Wonder Woman 1984. So Xbox is doing this this promotional thing for the new Wonder Woman movie. That's fine. I don't really give a shit. So they, they're, they're, uh, they're holding this sweepstakes from now until September 17th where fans can enter for a chance to win one of three new Xboxes. It's, it's a fun Xbox One X console and all you gotta do is like or retweet the xbox sweepstake tweet and then you're entered in for a chance to win one of these three wonder woman themed consoles but the thing is it's not like a cool console it's not like that halo or gears of war console where it has like some different colors and some some art sketched on it it's like the first one's like okay that's kind of weird right it's a gold xbox one x with a gold controller and it says in like in big bold and letter it has like engraved on it 
Wonder Woman 84, and it has, like, this big, like, eagle flapping its wings. It's, like, all this texture and extra plastic added onto the console. It's like, okay, that's a little weird. That's a little over the top, but I can live with it. And then they just go totally whack shit crazy and get worse and worse, where the next one is an orange Xbox One uh, X, which I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then it has this giant, like, colorful Wonder Woman logo on it. I'm like, uh, oh, okay, I can, whatever. And then on top of that, they just have a golden lasso that's just, like, wrapped around the fucking console and glued onto it. I'm like, okay, that's fucking weird. And then the controller's, like, the rainbow colorful Wonder Woman logo thing. I'm like, okay, that's fine, whatever. But then they completely lose all their shit and say, fuck it, we want the furries to stop playing PlayStation and to start playing Xbox. And so the third console is like this, like this fucking snakeskin Xbox One X with like studded spikes on it, like you would see on like a checkerboard studded belt from like some emo kid in 2007. And then the Wonder Woman logo in big chunky font taped onto the box. And then here's where it goes nuts. You get a fucking leopard or jaguar or cheetah pelt wrapped all around the console and glued onto this fucking thing. It's a goddamn console for furries. It is a furry, hairy, cheetah print Xbox. In fact, it looks like it's just like the cheetah pelt is wrapped all around the vents. So it looks like this console probably just overheats and breaks on you, which is probably for the best. But like, what the actual fuck were they thinking to make this thing? And then the controller is like a cheetah print or or leopard print, whatever it is, uh, looking Xbox controller. So they're clearly, they're clearly marketing these consoles not towards Wonder Woman fans, but to sex fiends, you know, people who like to dress up in gold and in luxurious uh, ways and show off their money and flaunt their money and then get fucked like that, uh, whatever. But then the second one, it's like, okay, well, you got a fucking lasso there where you like trying to tie people up and do some kinky ass shit. And then finally, they're like, oh, a furry console made for furries. It's like they're they're trying to market these Xboxes towards sexual deviance. And I don't know how I feel about it, um, but it's there. It's real. We can't stop it. And um, I just don't know what to say. You can you can retweet or like the tweet to enter in for a chance to win one of these three consoles, but. Quite honestly, if you are listening to this podcast and you enter in for the sweepstakes and you win one of these consoles, don't tell us. In fact, just be very ashamed of yourself. Just keep that to yourself. That is a very shameful thing to win. That is a very shameful position to be in. And these are disgusting and alarming and I want nothing to do with it. And I wish we just got a game drop instead this week, but no, instead we got furry consoles. So I hope you're fucking happy. Now, as a reminder, with Games of Gold, for the rest of the month, you got Portal Knights, which you can download. You got uh, Override Mech City Brawl until September 15th. MX Unleashed, you missed it. It's gone. Red Faction 2, you got it until the 31st, so go ahead and download that. Those are your games of gold, so please make sure you're making the most of your gold subscription and getting that $80 of value in 2000 Gamer Score downloaded onto your console. Now, guys, that's going to do it for our, our episode this week. It went on a little long. I'm feeling extra tired. I, my, my throat actually hurts from talking so much. I don't know why we keep talking about food so much. This is this this show is almost entirely about cultural food, and I, I love that. But let me know: Do we need to change the podcast? Does it need to stop being about Xbox? Do we need to start talking about food more than I? I just don't know. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's another episode in the bags. Episode sixty four. Uh, Sucker will be live on Thursday at nine nine a.m. Eastern time, the only time zone I recognize as a 
East Coast American. And uh, that's going to do it. We will we'll see you guys next week. Eric is going to play us out with one of his beautiful little lullabies. And remember, folks, even though we don't know when we'll be able to do so, as soon as we get our hands on an Xbox Series X, we'll be able to power our dreams. Power your dreams, you Wonder Woman furry-loving cuck lords.